You're listening to Once, episode 102, and straight on till morning. Welcome back to another episode of Once, the unofficial podcast about ABC's TV show, Once Upon a Time. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. And I'm Jenny. We have seen this awesome finale a couple times now to Once Upon a Time. And as great as it is, it's also sad because it means no more Once Upon a Time episodes until fall. Boo! (laughs) The good times are over. (laughs) But we as a podcast have some awesome things planned for this summer. We'll be sharing some news about uh, spoilers and stuff as they come out or news about the development of season three. We'll also be talking about Once Upon a Time in Wonderland. We'll even do some separate podcast stuff about that when that comes out. And we've got some interviews that we'll be doing over the summertime and some great things. But One announcement, just in case you haven't heard, Once Upon a Time is returning for season three in sometime in fall. ABC did not announce an actual date, but they said it would come back on Sunday's same time slot. They think Once Upon a Time is doing really well at 8 a.m. Once Upon a Time, (laughs) 8 p.m., 8 or 7 central. Yes. Sunday nights. Yes. And Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, which the trailer looks great. We'll have a link to uh, that or we'll have that video embedded in the show notes at oncepodcast.com slash 102. But the trailer for Once Upon a Time in Wonderland looks great. Like amazing. Almost higher quality than Once Upon a Time. (laughs) Certain parts. But that's they probably chose the best scenes for the trailer. And it's a pilot. (laughs) Yeah, well, it is. uh, ABC wasn't quite clear whether they were describing this as being an entire season or a short run season. But they have some cool plans about what they're doing in the future with the broadcast and the ways that they're trying to handle the breaks a little bit better. And in general, I was really happy with what I heard from ABC uh, when they had their press announcement yesterday. That's good. But yeah, some great stuff coming. And so we'll have that trailer in the show notes if you want to check that out at oncepodcast.com slash 102. And then Once Upon a Time is coming back. I am guessing September, late September. It's when that it came out last year. Seems like a fair guess, except if they're going to restructure their schedule mm-hmm. to help eliminate breaks or to or something or limit the number of breaks then they may do something different they could they could start earlier let's look on the bright side they could start sooner something i'm eager (laughs) something i'm eager about that gives me lots of hope and joy about once upon a time as a whole is in the episode in the official podcast from kitsis and horowitz about this episode they mentioned that they said this is a setup for us to tell a bunch of other stories that we've been looking forward to telling so they've had in mind some of these things for a while. So they mm-hmm. know where they want to go in season three. They've known where they want to go. And there are rumors that they even know where they want to go in season four, which I love knowing that or hearing that. Yeah, that's, um, that is what makes a good show. Mm-hmm. And what a setup this was for season three, because so many things have changed. Uh, a bunch of answered questions and a bunch of unanswered questions. But let's start this off. This episode started with absolutely no review. It just jumps straight into it. 
<laughs> that's true. B- because they're trying to squeeze every minute that they could. And that's the shortcoming of broadcast television. You're limited by the time, unless you get millions and millions of dollars to buy out other time. But <laughs> in it, let's start our discussion in Neverland. I'm thinking that what we see when Herc is looking at the picture of Mila, this is truly fairly recently after Herc has come to Neverland. Feels that way. Because the way that he's looking at the picture and the way that Smee is comforting him makes it seem like this is still a very fresh wound. Does that fit with the timeline as we have looked at it? Pretty much. That The hard thing is... I mean, is, it could still be several months. Yeah. But, yeah, based on when we saw Mila die, mm-hmm. how long had that been since Bay left? Right. Exactly. Um, and time in Neverland goes differently than time everywhere else. We don't know yet what that ratio is, but more but time if, passes in Neverland than passes everywhere else. Yeah, if anything, it should have felt longer to them being in Neverland before Bay arrived. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So Bay was gone for six months plus four weeks seven months or we'll say seven to eight months ago bay went through the bean hole showed up in england and then went to neverland to hook this has all happened maybe close to that same amount of time but he was in neverland first long enough for them to know about him which we figure out from this episode is peter pan long enough for him to know that there aren't many other ships right but that sounds like there are other ships they know a lot yeah if you think about some of those early conversations that he had with smee Mm -hmm. i'm just wondering why peter pan isn't flying around yet like why haven't we seen peter pan (laughs) flying around hook's ship maybe his shadow flies for him it just doesn't look like hook's ship without (laughs) peter pan flying around i think that they intentionally well they're setting this up that peter pan is this big bad guy and as big of a setup as they're giving us they're not going to actually show him in this episode they're going to make us wait and they're going to carry him to strange and mysterious (laughs) places and you're going to be wondering what is in that box oh sorry i reverted to season one also (laughs) they probably don't have the part cast yet (laughs) but (laughs) hey that's possible well they might well they don't need to the lost boys all have their faces covered up well except for the one that Uh, except for the head boy the the lost ones yeah and this they were called the lost ones yeah which was interesting i thought a couple of them looked like they might be girls but later on i decided the ones mm-hmm. we saw probably weren't but I thought the same it's thing. open i'm wondering why they yeah. have their faces covered but it it does remind me of kind of like the queen of hearts reveal right like maybe they're gonna show us these characters in some other way and then they're gonna introduce us to who these people are and it keeps yeah. them from casting themselves into a corner mm-hmm. if they make somebody too prominent right now they might have to bring him back maybe, later. Maybe the head lost boy was the only one who, who signed the contract. <laughs> exactly. At well, this point. <laughs> you know, this that concept did work in their favor because when they show Neil in present-day Enchanted Forest, which we'll talk about that later on, but when they show him, 
Mulan there is not actually Jamie Chun. That's actually that what I wondered else. this last time we went through. Yeah, I wondered because there was really no reason for her to cover up. Well, the first time we saw her yeah. in the episode Broken, she was covered up. So yeah, the cover up thing helps hide the identity. We've seen them with Queen of Hearts. We've seen them intentionally cast someone else to play the part while the person is so covered in, up. So in this case, the costume speaks louder than the person in the costume. Yeah. It kind of communicates better than the person who's or in the costume. Or it could just communicate that these are basically like bandit type characters. <laughs> and being masked up for the lost ones, that is. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was, I was still talking enough. about Mulan. <laughs> That's funny. And when um, when they keep talking about he and him in this episode, the first time, you know, we mentioned this in the initial reactions, the first time going through this, you would think they're talking about the shadow until the very end they say Peter Pan. Right. So I, th- I really think that every time they're saying he and him in this episode, they're referring to Peter Pan. I think so. Because I didn't. It didn't strike me that way the first time we watched it, but the the way they built it up and some of the things that were said at the end right before his name was said, mm-hmm. I think that is what they were getting at. No, that's everything Rumpel was talking about. I don't know. So, Herc and Smee were talking about this, and they said that if, if the boy was someone that he, Peter Pan, wanted, mm-hmm. then giving the boy to Peter Pan could ensure or could be the key to their survival in Neverland. Right. I'm thinking this could also be an explanation for how Hook gets out of Neverland is that this is kind of the basis of a deal with Peter Pan. And then Peter Pan allows Hook and only Hook to leave Neverland. Hmm. Because remember, back in the episode, the crocodile Smee said, we were in Neverland. Mm hmm. Uh, but we know that Hook came back to Enchanted Forest in the episode of The Queen of Hearts just before right. the curse hit. Oh, okay. So, And the curse affected Neverland, too. Got to keep that in mind. Smee was in Neverland when the curse hit. Okay. So the curse even stretched to there. <laughs> Which, I feel, in a sense, like we watched two different seasons this year. Because there are things that were covered and that we established in the first part of yeah. the year that I'm already having trouble remembering because they don't necessarily tie in directly with what happened since January. Yeah, it's almost, look at it as two miniature story arcs mm-hmm. instead of one long story arc. Like season one was one long story arc. Yeah. Season two, two miniature ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first arc was the whole Queen of Hearts and, or, well, kind of, not really actually <laughs> but the main thing there was emma and mary margaret in present day fairy tale <laughs> land and then the second story arc has been the greg and tamara threat and the outsiders right. and, and i like that, that style mm-hmm. several times in this episode they referred to something jenny would not like the curse of the mermaids <laughs> i really hope they make the mermaids pretty and not like ugly like they did in harry potter <laughs> oh, mermaids that's, oh, are really i forgot ugly. about that i knew i'd seen that somewhere well they're turning peter pan into a, a fun loving you know think a happy thought and fly kind of guy to this evil dark person that rips gonna, people's shadows off i think we're gonna discover that he's actually not a bad person <laughs> <laughs> Peter Pan's a good guy. Either that or it's not the Peter Pan that we know. Guys, we loved this episode, but that was the worst line of the year. Oh, we're going to use that one a lot. That's staying on the soundboard, probably. 
know, <laughs> that particular um, lost one or whatever you want to call him. He's, he's actually named in the credits as Felix. Felix. That's not one of the lost boys. Felix. It is now. Because I know the Lost Boys' names, and that's not one of them. I wonder what Tinkerbell's going to be like. <laughs> anyway, he looks kind of sickly. Yeah. He's like, getting... he's he's pale, and he just, for a second, I thought, oh my gosh, his skin is golden, like 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 Rubble Stiltskins, but it couldn't be. Whenever he went down below deck, it went away. So mm. it was just something, something weird with the lighting, but he looked sick, and his cheeks were all sunken in. Peter's well, not really feeding them. Nobody's taking care of them. They don't have has, their mothers. He also has a big scar across his face. He does. He does. That's it? where his shadow is attached. <laughs> <laughs> well, back on the ship, though, or it's, several times in this episode, they mentioned the curse of the mermaids, which makes me wonder, are we going to see Ariel in season three? And will she be a bad Ariel? In Wonderland, I mean, in Neverland, I mean. Don't you think that'd be a little strange since they talked about her a long time ago in the, well, we don't know that they talked about her. Regina said a particular yeah. mermaid. Mm-hmm. True. And Rumpelstiltskin. She wanted the whereabouts of yeah. this particular mermaid. Which that could have been his answer is she's in Neverland. Uh, Rumpelstiltskin also referred to the deepest, darkest spot in the ocean to get the squid ink that only a mermaid or himself could get. Mm. so that deepest darkest evil and nasty (laughs) yeah could be someone like peter pan maybe maybe this was a deal that went sour one time think of who is think of who is saying that peter pan is to be feared it's they're both bad guys they're both bad guys rubble stillskin and hook so maybe Mm -hmm. maybe maybe they view anything opposite of what they really are, or who they really are as characters, as feared and evil and stuff. So maybe, maybe Peter Pan is actually good, and and Hook and Peter Pan. I mean, Hook and Rumpelstiltskin only fear him and don't like him because he's on the opposite side of mm. them. I don't know about that. That's he's my stealing, theory. He's stealing children from our world. I think it's all going to be a mis communication and type to of quotes thing me you have to give them the boy they've killed for less yeah and if they don't uh, get the and boy apparently ripping someone's shadow off really hurts <laughs> well, like, what that, kind of a good guy would do that that could be <laughs> that could be oh my gosh that could be just legend just to keep the lost mm. boys on their toes mm. unless the shadow is one such victim. Yeah, but Peter Pan had to have his shadow sewn on by Wendy. So maybe he just lost it. <laughs> maybe he just lost it and it looks evil. <laughs> hmm. I don't know. I'm stretching things a bit. Yes, you are. I'm trying to make them fit to the story that I know. <laughs> <laughs> because that's how everything goes on Once Upon a Time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I- I'm thinking that when... Bay said that he knew a pirate tore apart his family. He doesn't remember Hook very well because Bay was just a little boy when Hook was in the bar in the tavern. And because he was a little boy, he wouldn't remember what Hook looked like and neither would Hook remember what Bay looked like. So that's why they didn't instantly recognize each other when they first met. Oh, yeah. But Hook knew the name Balefire because Mm -hmm. of what Mila told him. Right. But it was strange that he was actually seeming 
willing to consider the idea that he would still be a father figure in some sense to Bay because he, I don't know how serious he actually was about that, but he was trying to tell Bay that let's live the life that your mother intended for us. He loved Mila. It wasn't good that he loved Mila, but he did. (laughs) And I guess that was probably the closest thing that he could get to having her near since she was dead. Mm-hmm. I have a theory about about Hook's dad. Yeah. I can share it now? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think as soon as he said that his dad was a fugitive, it made me think of Robin Hood immediately. But hmm. Robin Hood was never on a boat that we know of, but ABC hmm. isn't actually conforming to the fairy tales too closely hooks in some some in some of the fairy tales hooks actual name is killian jones Mm -hmm. and back when we saw the episode the crocodile one of the first things we theorized was maybe he's davy jones's son oh that's a good one and what he said about he and his father uh, possibly living a life together was that um he they were going to board a ship and travel the realms, which I wonder if realms meant the different worlds that we see, like Neverland, Probably Enchanted not. Forest, Wonderland, all of these different realms like that, or if they just meant realms as in different areas of the current Enchanted Forest where they were. I think they meant, yeah, the last yeah, one. because without beans, I don't think that ship's leaving the right. world. It is an enchanted in. ship, or it's made out of enchanted wood, but it that is. doesn't mean it can travel to different worlds yeah. on yeah, its own. Yeah, but he didn't say that they hopped aboard the Jolly Roger and then his dad right. left. Right, he just he referred just to a ship somewhere. And I think he just this, figured out the name Jolly Rancher. In the same episode, or in the same um, time, around the same time in the episode, when the Lost Ones came on the ship and were looking for Bay, and just after they left, then when, or no, I'm sorry, even before that, when Hook knew Bay's name, he said to him, Well, it's a pirate's life for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's kind of, oh, what's the song? A pirate's life for me. Yo, I can't remember. Yo, oh, yo, yeah. Oh, a, a pirate's pirate. life <laughs> for me. Yeah, that was a nice little Is that a Peter Pan song? Little fun pirate reference. Pirate. Singing pirate reference. That's um that was used in the ride, Pirates of the Caribbean, Caribbean oh, okay. at Disneyland. And I think that same ride is at Disney World. And really bad eggs. <laughs> what? <laughs> I would like to share something really sad with our listeners. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. I've never been to Disneyland or Disney World. <laughs> We have to go. Field trip. It would be awesome if all three of us could make it down to Enchanticon. In, I think that's in November. Let's I can't remember go. the dates. But, all right, um, people. It's the conference for Once Upon a Time. We I, need to raise money. I was going to talk with some people and try and put together our own convention. But then the more I started thinking about it, the more I thought, eh, I don't want to organize this on my own. I'm already <laughs> organizing another conference this year. I don't want to do two conferences in the same year. So I'm glad that someone else is doing it. So, hey, if anyone out there wants to sponsor, and we we need a major sponsorship in order for all of us to go. So if you're interested, please email daniel at com, and we can talk about a whole trip sponsorship and what that would entail for you and the benefits that you'd receive from that. But... 
Hook. Hang on, before we move on, I want to share a little sad story as well. <laughs> <laughs> I have never seen the Peter Pan ride. I haven't either. I've never... I've been on it as a kid, but I was too short, <laughs> so I couldn't see anything. I haven't seen any of them, so I still win. Well, your story is a little bit sadder than mine. Mine's, sta- mine's really sad still. Yeah, because you like mermaids. <laughs> I do, and Peter Pan's one of my favorite stories. Okay, sorry. <laughs> when Hook was talking about Bay, he said perhaps Providence brought Bay to Neverland, and I'm going to touch on that point a little bit later. Okay. But just keep that in your mind. Providence... Maybe Providence brought Bay to Neverland. But there was this description of what the shadow can do. You know what he does to people who lie to him? No. But I gather it hurts. It does. He rips your shadow right from the body. Rip. <laughs> He sounds like he's talking from experience yeah, a little bit. Or, or having seen it and yeah. been afraid of it. It does. We got some interesting bit of research <laughs> from our listener, Klesidor, saying, Peter Pan reminded me of Gecko Moria from the manga, manga whatever, <laughs> from the manga One Piece. I'm probably saying that incorrectly. Moria has power over shadows, allowing him to separate his own shadow and to control it. He can also take somebody else's shadow by cutting it off using scissors. Eek. Well, this could be coincidental because I think the creator of One Piece was inspired by Peter Pan when he created this power. But it would also make sense if Peter Pan's power might be similar. And I wouldn't be too surprised because we've seen the writers mix certain stories and legends and tales and concepts together before, like mixing together Red Riding Hood and werewolf stuff mixing those things together and some of the other things. So I wouldn't be surprised if they do this. And that would be a cool connection. So thank you, Klesador, for that feedback. And the the thing when Bay and Hook were having this almost bonding moment, I do really wonder if Hook's story about his father was true because it seemed like that connecting thing between he and Bay because he knew more about Bay's story than Bay thought he did. So he could lead the conversation in a direction. But because of that, Bay just pours it out there and he says, my dad gets his power from a dagger. Yeah, it's the only thing that can kill him. Why did he say that? And then then at the end, he's kind of like, so my dad abandoned me too. That's why I said all that because that's that's the reason because it gives us something in common. I, I... I overshared, but that's he the reason. He doesn't really have much of a filter. <laughs> no, no, he doesn't. Hey, if you're interested in killing my dad, you have to buy this dagger. It's like, gosh, I've been keeping that a secret a long time. I, I just had so to tell somebody. <laughs> <laughs> well, he is only about 15, or supposed to, Bay is supposed to be about 15 in this episode. Yeah, at that age, he didn't have a filter either. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> If I wasn't shy, then I just let it all out. <laughs> did you tell people it could kill your father? Yes, I did. <laughs> and they're still trying to find him. Oh, dear. When Bay was upset at Hook and wanted to go back to his family, he said the darlings. He called them his real family. Mm-hmm. And he considers yep. the darlings. Well, they accepted him and they yeah. don't have magic. So, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I mean... They kind yeah. of adopted him, in right? In his place, I think most people would. The The interesting thing, he he said that Hook was just like his father. And really thinking about that, all throughout this whole story, Hook was kind of going back and forth between, do I love him as a son or do I use him for my revenge? Yeah. it's And it is kind of the same struggle that Rumpel has had with various things what to choose did as an aside did it look to anybody else like hook can just burn things into wood with his hook that yeah that was it was smoking surprising he wasn't was he wasn't putting much effort into it and it was smoking when was, he carved i in didn't wood. notice it was smoking yeah just a little bit and he wasn't like sitting there going and it wasn't jagged like he was scratching it was just kind of Right yeah, like away. carving in butter, almost. Yeah. I think y'all are looking a little too much into that. No. And it was also pretty ornate writing, too. Wow. When you see it later, it's got serifs on the font. <laughs> oh, I saw him. <laughs> Things you wouldn't expect no. to hear in one's podcast. It's I, got serifs. <laughs> I saw him do that when he was writing the P for port. He okay. was doing the little serif thing he's got a british accent so he does everything a little bit fancier and adds serifs to everything in life (laughs) (laughs) hook said that it's not possible to leave neverland he did say that but then that of course raises the question well how did he leave well and how did bay leave (laughs) bay leave oh well his leaving could have made um peter pan really mad so now they're enemies well, how could he leave in the first place? Well, he probably found a way. But then again, the way that Wendy put it is that once you step on Neverland's shores, you can never leave. So maybe Hook is able to leave because of that. So when he was telling he was telling this to Bay that it's impossible to leave, it's not possible to leave Neverland. Yeah, but how would he have known that if he hadn't tried to leave already? Maybe if you if your face touches Neverland, <laughs> Within two Walks seconds of your feet, which is basically what happened to Bay. <laughs> he kind of got what? his face shoved in the ground. Oh. <laughs> maybe. Maybe that's what breaks that rule. Wow. Not really. Wow. Um, I think there's a much bigger story there. Yeah, I could see them going. Uh, well, we are going to Neverland mm-hmm. for season three. That's obvious. I'm excited. Everything. So they're finally touching on one of my favorite stories. It it will be cool, I think, to see something we haven't seen from this perspective. Same land, different times. So they could be telling us two stories taking place at the same location, but just different times. Huh? Because they would be showing us present day Neverland. And past Neverland. If they decide to still go back and show more about the Hook and Bay relationship and all uh, that, how Hook yeah. left, how Bay left, yeah. all did, of that. They could do that. Did they never do that in Enchanted Forest? Not quite. They did show us things like present day fairy tale land and past fairy tale land, but it wasn't in the same place. They did that in Storybrooke. Yes, for one episode. For one Welcome episode. to Storybrooke. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They could do that. They could. they could totally do it. I think it'll be cool. You'll see. You'll see Hook burn something into wood in a location. And then later you'll see, oh, wait, they already did that in this episode. Never you mind. know, <laughs> that's probably just what they used because the scratch was already there. So he was just like, well, I'll just act like I'm scratching it. And that was the, the, the little special effect they used. It looked like smoke so that it would disappear until it was 
supposed to be there. One of the first things they said to Bay when he got on shore and did touch soil, so he can't leave Neverland now, but one of the first things that they said to him is uh, when they saw his face, they compared him to a picture, which we know is a picture of Henry, and he said, congratulations, you get to live because he's not Henry. Right. Henry's going to die? As far as they know, that's what's going to happen to this person that Peter Pan is looking for. But that may not uh, be the plan. Good point. Why would the minions really know what's going to happen? You know what I'm thinking of? I'm thinking of Lost and Walt. No, no, <laughs> don't make that comparison. Yes, I am. You I am. The whole <laughs> Nobody we just must need scream somebody Henry's to scream. name. Henry. No. Henry. It doesn't quite. No. It needs to be one syllable. Henry. <laughs> so Peter Pan has this picture of. Henry and, well, well, actually, Felix and the other lost ones have it. And Felix says, the head lost one says, it may take time, but Peter Pan never fails. So I, I think the time thing is a, a good reference to the fact that they are looking for a long time because mm-hmm. this is a long time before henry is even born and they have this picture of him yeah they do it's so weird a really good drawing of him so it is a really good drawing peter pan is feeling a lot like neverland's version of the dark one yeah it is it's kind of what if (laughs) um now again this might not have been a super important line in the grand scheme of things or maybe it was but remember the blue fairy said that the power or the magic of the dark one didn't belong in the enchanted forest is basically what she said. Yeah. She said, uh, and that was in the episode, the return that his power is not of this world or doesn't belong in this world. So you're thinking it belongs in Neverland. Maybe we may even see other things like maybe the seer is not from the enchanted forest originally either. Hmm. Yeah, I, I could see something like that happening. Uh, I think that maybe Rumpelstiltskin's powers came from Neverland in some way or came from Peter Pan. Because Peter Pan, think shadow, dark one. A shadow is a I dark already one. made that connection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just bringing it up again. <laughs> and there's but, always the fallback theory of time traveling henry every person <laughs> whose identity we don't fully understand can be time traveling henry not a legitimate oh my legitimate theory how, why not how would he have been able to draw a picture <laughs> that's a possibility either that or they had someone who could see the future oh no this theory starting to hold water in my ah! head which is actually uncomfortable <laughs> but um remember i said henry has wanted to destroy magic what if he still does and he wants to go back in time? What if horrible things happen and he mm. wants to destroy magic in the past so that they won't happen? Mm. I really don't want to see something like that happening. <laughs> but I did post in the Once Podcast forums at oncepodcast.com slash forums about just raising the question, putting it out there to consider, can Neverland move through time? Hmm, Not that just be- that time moves faster in Neverland than it does everywhere else but that it actually moves through time. Hmm. Ah, that would be too much like another show we've seen. Yeah, a little bit lost. <laughs> but here's another theory, and this came in from Melissa. 
saying, how does Peter Pan know the future? I would think he knew something from the future, and that's why Bay was released, or else Henry would never have existed. I hope the new focus on Henry means we'll get to see how Rumpel got him for Regina. I am so interested in that for some reason. I'm also wondering if Peter Pan wrote the book now. And that theory we've received from several people, that Peter might have written the book. But if, if Peter Pan can see the future, then or maybe has access to someone who can see the future, then it does make me wonder what else has he seen? What else might be something that he is manipulating situations, maybe even manipulating situations far more than we realize? Such as what if he let Bay go intentionally to plant him, plant him wherever he ended up so that he would end up with Emma and have Henry? Hmm. So he's moving pieces around far more accurately than even Rumpelstiltskin is. Maybe he's seeing the future even bigger or better. It's it's very possible. We still... Let's see. Did we have a confirming moment that Rumpel created the curse? For sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Several times. He yeah. said it. So. Regina said it. Yeah. I suppose so. But... It could still what you're saying could still be true. He wrote it, right? He wrote the curse, the yeah, dark curse. Yeah, he, he did, did. Mm. or figured out how to make it. Maybe Peter Pan somehow helped with that a I, little bit. I doubt it. I doubt it. Well, mm. although Rumpelstiltskin does know that Peter Pan is to be feared, how would he know that if he hadn't already met mm-hmm. him? And remember, the curse was many times called the dark curse. Back in season one. Well, because mm-hmm. it was made by the Dark One. Well, yeah, but it could have also been the Dark Curse for some other yeah. reason. I guess it was you mean only like back the then. Shadow Curse. Why didn't they just call it the Shadow Curse? <laughs> uh, think back to when we didn't know who really created the curse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we thought it was Regina. <laughs> you remember that? <laughs> Our listener Rebecca Haley sent in a message saying, "I have a little theory about Neil Fire. We haven't seen how he gets out of Neverland." But we know he obviously does. My theory is that since it is Henry that Peter Pan is after, he, just like we were talking about, he lets Belfire go one day because Peter knows Belfire will be Henry's father. He realizes the boy he is after won't even be born unless he lets Bay go. Mm, That's a good theory. That is a good theory, but why does he want Henry? We have got... That's awkward. Like the it guy is. I'm looking for is half inside you. You need to go find the other half and make that happen. That's kind of awkward, isn't it? Especially when you put it like that. <laughs> oh. Well, we do have a bunch of theories about Henry, and we may talk about some of them now and some of them uh, in a little bit. This came in from Emma, and... Bear with this, because this it sounds crazy at first, but then suddenly connects it together. I agree with Jenny's idea that Henry may have been kidnapped by Peter Pan's forces for his powers. Perhaps he is like Anakin from Star Wars. Bear with me. I know it sounds nuts, <laughs> but he is not all that he seems. He's extraordinary. And he has been exposed to both light and dark magic. Light magic coming from Emma, the product of true love, Dark magic kind of coming from Neil, the son of the Dark One. 
And okay. Henry is a combination of both. Ooh, that's interesting. Uh, I like that. Uh, I like it. Emma, Emma continues here. Hen- oh my God. Henry Jeremy could, is in pain. No. Henry could possibly be used or brainwashed by Peter to act as a vessel to cleanse the world of those he deems unholy. In other words, anyone who's in the way of his plan. I found it interesting that even the dark one was intimidated by this new big bad. Hmm. So Henry could be the one to bring balance to the force. I mean, I'm going to, okay. I'm going to throw something out that feels very connected. So if the mission is truly to destroy magic and maybe if this odd balance of light magic and dark magic has the ability to destroy magic, maybe we saw a little taste of that with Emma and Regina Mm -hmm. on the trigger if you notice when they succeeded and it blasted them back, first it turned blue, which is the color that was coming from Emma's hands. Then it turned purple, which is what was coming from Regina's hands. And then it went dark. Regina's magic was red. Red? Yeah, it was red. Emma's was blue. And yes, you're right in the middle. It was purple. Okay. I'll have a screenshot in the show notes at oncepodcast.com slash 102. But regardless, interesting little play with the visuals. I don't know. This is interesting. Yeah, I, could, I could see something cool like that happening because there is obviously something significant about Henry to this whole story. So what is that? Why Henry? Why is Peter looking for him? And what is his, you know, this whole thing? We, we have no idea how this will connect to everything. Yep. But... Talking about Neverland, here's an idea that came in from Husky Dwarf. <laughs> said, Great name. screen names. <laughs> Could it be that because Neverland's time runs much differently than all the other magical and non-magical realms, so that anyone who enters Neverland can exit at other points in time? Could this explain how Henry's picture existed 300 years in the past? Could Peter Pan really be someone we've already met, but has somehow traveled through time? Or someone who has existed and just hasn't aged. And someone who Hmm. was... Never mind, I'm hurting my mind. I I wonder (laughs) if they'll do the kind of Rumpelstiltskin approach where it ends up that Peter is somehow connected to a bunch of different people. But the actual story of Peter Pan is that this boy was crying that he didn't want to grow up. He was crying in the park that we saw Bay pop into uh, yeah. in the last episode, Second Star to the Right. He was crying in the park, and this park was known to Kensington. have... Yeah, Kensington Gardens, that's it. And the gardens were known to have fairies in it, and the fairies came, took the boy to Neverland because he didn't want to grow up, mm-hmm. and there he sit days because he's the boy who never wanted to grow up. Yeah. So it could be that that boy as a regular boy, had somehow touched certain other people's lives. They could go all sorts of directions with his history, if he has one. <laughs> yeah, so so Peter Pan was originally from Kensington Gardens. At least according to the original From story. London. Yeah. Yeah. But whether that's how Kitsis and Horowitz are actually taking this we don't know. I mean, they yeah. made red the wolf. Yeah, that's true. So they, they would do, and they made dwarfs come out of eggs. So they yeah. could do anything <laughs> in this show. That's true. That's true. We can't really rely on on the fairy tales we know. 
yeah. much. But um, this aspect is something that I'm sure they'll explore in season three and take us in all kinds of directions. With I'm going to be really mad if they make mermaids ugly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to be all a bit out of shape. You have to let this go. Evil <laughs> Ariel. <laughs> I just, well, I mean, we've already seen fairies, so they're pretty. I just really hope they don't make Ariel and all the other mermaids ugly. Ugh. Maybe okay. Neverland is where bad fairies come from. Mm, mm, maybe. Tinkerbell. Like Maleficent. Bad fairy dust. We don't know if Maleficent was a fairy, though. That's your theory, isn't it? Well, that's based on the Disney It was movie, never confirmed. She's a fairy. Yes, but in fairy. ABC. Yeah, ABC has never called her a, a fairy. fairy. She's mostly a dragon and an undead person. <laughs> <laughs> She's a woman. Who looks or maybe, great in earth tones. Or maybe a dragon. <laughs> Filled up with magic. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, going back to gold. Um, actually, no, going back to how long. Hook has been in Neverland. I think, I think Felix helped us see that it was he was still like you were wondering earlier that mm. that maybe Mila like everything was still fresh on his mind because of what Smee and Hook were saying and everything and he was looking at the picture. But um Felix did say you're new to Neverland whenever he was talking to Hook. So that just proves that he is oh, yeah. new mm-hmm. in or relatively yeah. new. And already they've seen killing yeah. from these well, I mean, or, or lost heard. Ones. Of killing. That's true. That's <laughs> well, true. Yeah. Well, um, in the uh, in the stories of Peter Pan that I know, the uh, the Lost Boys and the pirates always had a rivalry, mm-hmm. and there were Indians on the island, and they all sort of enjoyed fighting. Like Lost Boys loved fighting, so I wouldn't be surprised if if they killed some people because that's kind of true to to peter pan the story Hmm. here's an interesting theory that came in from saskia i hope i'm pronouncing that correctly saying my theory is that whoever drew the picture of henry and the picture of mila are most likely the same person both drawings were on similar paper and both looked similar as well i believe that rumple was the one who drew both considering he can see the future we can assume he knew which boy would be his undoing, and so he drew a picture of him and asked Peter Pan to kill him. Also, this might be why he, quote, procured the boy, Henry, for Regina, so that he could be closer to him and possibly kill him when the time came. Hmm. Absolutely love the podcast. Thank you so much for bringing it to us fans each week. Can't wait for season three. That, makes me, Saskia. that makes me think of the book as well. I wonder who's doing all these things on paper. Yeah. Well, that's very interesting because, I mean, one explanation, of course, is that they have the same artist working on the show (laughs) and they did both drawings. But that would actually, in a way, make more sense than some of the other things like Peter Pan having the same ability to see the future and things like that. You think Peter Pan has eyes on his hands? No, I don't. But, um, yeah, if Rumpel gave him the drawing a long, long time ago and doesn't even remember, you know, what that drawing looked like, maybe. Well, I don't know about that. Or maybe this was some drawing that the seer had made and somehow got to Peter Pan without Rumpel seeing it. But I, what makes me question that is if Rumpel knew what, um, what uh, Henry looked like, then 
he would not have been so kind to Henry up until the most recent few episodes. Mm -hmm. It was in the episode Manhattan when we learned the whole thing about the prophecy of a boy would lead you to him and that boy will be your undoing because he's not what he seems. You're assuming that he would remember what his drawing looked like after he gave it away. Maybe. But I'm also thinking if he knew what the boy looked like, well, in, in the episode Manhattan, he didn't think about Henry being the boy who would be his undoing until it was Henry who led Mr. Gold to his son. Mm -hmm. But up until then, he'd seen Henry. He knew about Henry. Now, a a slight other flaw, logical, uh, or false premise, I think, in this idea or conclusion, whichever direction you want to go with that, is Mr. Gold was still cursed up until when he met Emma and heard her name. That's been said by the writers several times and also clarified many times throughout the series yes. that like we saw Mr. Gold use the pleas for the first time right after Emma shows up. The whole thing about writing the squid ink, mm-hmm. he wanted Emma's name to stick and why and all of these things. Gold woke up when Emma showed up. Right. And even when Regina asked Gold why he brought Henry and did he know about all of this, he said no, but... Fate seems to have a sense of humor. So it could be that true... Well, I really think that Gold did not know who he was bringing to Storybrooke when he got Henry for Regina. But what if Peter Pan somehow orchestrated that? Hmm. That's a good question. Interesting. Because... It doesn't necessarily knock a hole in the other theory. Well, let's go back to that line. I told you, remember that line... Earlier in this episode, Hook said that maybe Providence, maybe it was Providence that brought Bay into Neverland. Maybe? Mm. Or maybe was it really Peter Pan working in the shadows with the shadow, orchestrating <laughs> all of these events behind people's backs? And the shadow can travel between worlds, so it's very easy for it to manipulate things, and it can change into any shape, any form. So it, it's I could see something happening that Peter Pan is this much higher up fate kind of directing certain forces and things. I wonder what his mission is, Peter Pan's. I wonder what that's definitely going to be something that we're going to hopefully see in season three. Um, maybe, maybe not related to that. Is I just realized that Hook and Rumpelstiltskin have very similar stories that they've told that we haven't seen of their fathers leaving suddenly. If Hook's story is true. Well, let's assume that it is. Rumpel's is, we assume. Yeah. His father left suddenly. Now, he says he knew why. And maybe that, maybe it was as simple as that, or maybe it wasn't. Hmm. Or I guess he saw his father killed, right? Or he was trying to leave. Uh, I can't quite remember that episode, but it was, or what was said about... It was recent. Yeah, it was in the episode Manhattan Mm -hmm. when they were having that conversation. So maybe that's a rabbit trail, but... So are you thinking that somehow their fathers are connected or maybe the same dad? (laughs) Yeah, I was starting to go down some (laughs) paths that were disturbing me quite a lot but (laughs) you're my brother from the same father (laughs) you can still say another mother um yeah we don't need any more interconnectedness but 
anyway, just a thought. They all have, they at least all have abandonment issues, now, if nothing else. <laughs> in the chat room, uh, Issa Rafati is saying that there was a scene that was cut from the episode Manhattan showing Rumpel seeing his dad killed uh, in that episode. That's true. And I remember, I, hearing I remember about that. Yeah, that too. So yeah, his dad died. And That's true. He his was dad trying was, to leave. Yeah, considered a coward. So a lot of uh, really odd things to figure out here. And the whole thing about the time in Neverland really can twist your brain around because to consider if time moves faster in Neverland than it does everywhere else, if it's just straight that it moves faster there than everywhere else, Mm -hmm. then that means that when Hook spent 100 to 200 years in Neverland, it felt like many more times that. Because go back to how long Wendy felt like she was gone. She never said an actual number in the episode Second Star to the Right, but she said it felt like so much longer than just overnight. Don't you feel like you'd be a little bit more mature by now? (laughs) Well. I expected her to come back with a tan or something, at least. (laughs) But then... In, if even if it's something like a one to seven ratio, so she felt like she was gone for a week, and she was really gone for just overnight, then we're t- we're looking then that Hook has experienced not just a hundred or two hundred years, but seven hundred or a thousand years of time. But then maybe it's also very much similar to the curse, where people in in the curse were not familiar mm. or weren't. Um, aware of the passage of time as long as anyone can remember yeah exactly <laughs> so for maybe it's a little bit different in hook in neverland that hook would be able to know about how much time has passed but he doesn't really feel it because neverland is this place that where time works differently but then what if time actually does move around and the reason hook went there originally was because he said it would be a place where that he would be able to live long enough to figure out how to kill the dark one. Do you think um, Eddie Kitsis and Adam Horowitz will, do you think they'll tackle the huge subject of going back to the origin of all these different lands? Do you think they'll do that? Because that would be, that would be really bold of them. That, that would be big, like huge. That makes me think of the Chronicles of Narnia series and how they created different worlds and created Narnia and the, the, the magician's nephew. And in the official podcast, someone did ask them about the wardrobe and its similarity to Chronicles of Narnia. And they denied an actual connection there. But they did say they like to look at the wardrobe as it's just a kind of portal and Geppetto had to fashion the tree into something. It wasn't going to be like a bookshelf. Yeah. Oh, for a second, I thought you were talking about like the wardrobe in Narnia. Oh, no. I was confused. The one that Emma went through. Can you explain it again now that I know what you're talking about? (laughs) You can listen to the podcast. Yeah, just rewind it a little bit. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Basically, no intentional (laughs) connection to Chronicles of Narnia. But you said Narnia. <laughs> but I said it seems similar to, or if they decide to explore the origin of worlds, if there is a story to the origin of different worlds, 
then it makes me think of Narnia and the magician's nephew specifically from that because that's where different worlds were created. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I haven't read that. (laughs) But speaking of different worlds, I want to thank some people who make our world a whole lot better and help make your world better too because they sponsored this episode of Once Podcast. David Newland, Jed Anderson, Chris Zeigler, and David and Chris, by the way, are subscribers, so they automatically donate to us each month. Thank you so much, David, Jed, and Chris, for your sponsorship of this episode of Once Podcast. If anyone else would like to sponsor an episode, then please go to oncepodcast.com slash sponsor, and you can sign up for a one-time donation, or you can sign up for a uh, monthly, a regular monthly donation to be able to contribute automatically. You can choose something as small as $10, or it can be as big as $50, or even more. It's totally up to you what you'd like to consider for sponsoring an episode of One's Podcast. But one of our other listeners sponsored in quite a bit different way. Instead of the normal ten dollars for an episode they sponsored with get this eight dollars and fifteen cents nice this came from um a couple email addresses ai.glados at aperture science and also from kevin (laughs) flynn ceo incom and it comes with (laughs) this encrypted message Sorry, you weren't supposed to see that. <laughs> Hello. I bet you didn't think you would hear from me again. I bet you didn't think I was still alive. Yes. I bet you didn't even think I was still watching. Remember this? I am always watching. <laughs> if I won any of those three bets, please drink an entire pot of black coffee <laughs> and have some cake with it. Core corruption at 50%. Well, I'm not going to let the whole video play. You've got to go. Did you hear what you said? I've got to, you've got to go to the show notes at onespodcast.com slash 102 because this is done by one of our brilliant listeners who did a video for us last year because we love the video game Portal. And Portal is now like the official video game for Once Upon a Time. I quote it all the time. So many, well, yeah, besides that, but there are so many portals in Portal and so many portals in Once Upon a Time now, too. <laughs> so one of our listeners, uh, Chris, has gone through and created this wonderful video for us. <laughs> and it's eight and a half minutes long. <laughs> including uh, some great music inside of it that you would just... Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, so you're going to have to watch this, this video. So excited about You'll this. love it. It's uh, over at... clean. Uh, no, at <laughs> oncepodcast.com slash 102. So you can check that out over there in our show notes and watch this whole video. It'll make a lot more sense if you've seen Portal and played Portal 2. But even if you haven't, it's just a hilarious video, especially when it goes into the music at the uh, halfway through it. So thank you so much, everybody. David, Jed Anderson, Chris, and GLaDOS for sponsoring this episode of <laughs> Once you. Podcast. If anyone else would like to make a one-time or regular monthly donation, then please go to oncepodcast.com slash sponsor. 
Just before we continue our conversation, moving on to Storybrooke, let's talk about this tiny little brief scene that was split into, I think it was two cuts, but just one tiny little scene of present-day fairy tale land. Neil is washed up on a shore. And did blood you recognize on his it? hands for at least the second time in his life with his face stuck in the sand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at least. Well, he is right in front of the safe haven island from earlier in season two. It's that same thin sand pathway How do you know to that? the island. You can see it. Oh. I'll, I'll have a picture in the show notes at oncepodcast.com slash 102. I guess but, I was busy looking at the people, <laughs> most notably the derathified Philip. Yeah. 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 And <laughs> I like in the official podcast, uh, someone sent in a question asking, um, did Philip make it out of the wraith? And Kitsis and Horowitz said, well, we saw him. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. See, they actually befriended the wraith and said, so wraithy, since you've got Philip's soul in there, could you sometimes find a way to shapeshift and pretend to be him? Uh, that would be cool. Yeah. We wouldn't hate you so much for taking him. <laughs> Just pal around with us. Look like Philip. So, uh, <laughs> Look like Philip. <laughs> I, I was right about my theory that uh, Neil would show up in, in present-day fairy tale land. I still can't get over how close you were. He didn't come right out of the portal at their feet, but he did. That's what I thought would happen. Something like that, <laughs> that he would just poof, and it'd be but, like there. But we still first saw their feet by him. I was like, this is not happening. Actually, we saw the pointy part of Philip's um, chest plate. <laughs> I mean, that thing is pointy. Okay, sorry. If you try and hug him, you'll slice yourself in half. Okay, that's... um. It's a bit odd. Aurora makes him wear that around Mulan. Yeah, but so Philip and Aurora are back together, obviously. And this story is... See, these events are probably about a week or two after the episode The Queen of Hearts. So back in present-day fairytale land, time flows perfectly parallel with Enchanted Forest and Storybrooke. So this is about one to two weeks of time back in present day fairy tale land that Aurora and Mulan had to find the wraith, figure out how to get Philip out of it <laughs> and all of that. And maybe in the process, maybe they released all of the other souls that were captured by the wraith. Well, except that they didn't necessarily have bodies to go with all those souls unless That's they did true. from all the people that Cora killed. This <laughs> is an irrelevant observation, but Phoenix eight one five in the chat room said, why is Aurora in that same dress? I'm just thinking how dirty it is. <laughs> yeah. It's the dirty. best dress probably still in the Enchanted Forest. She's oh. going to keep it taken care of. I think it's kind of cool that they had her in the same dress still. Why? Well, yeah, we wouldn't have rec- we might not have recognized her otherwise, well, but um, it's a continuity thing. Yeah, it is. I'm just saying in reality that dress is really stanky right now. Yeah. So because <laughs> what, what I wanted to see in the finale is I wanted to see them wrap up the storyline of getting Philip out of the mm. Wraith and see Aurora and Mulan and like sunset that story completely and Neil somehow pop up back oh. there. I wanted to see that going on. But now, because of this tiny little scene we got, I think this tells us that this is going to be a story we'll get next season. So we probably will see Aurora and Mulan next season. Well, Neil isn't right there. We'll see them. The the cool thing is that now they can either tell the story in flashbacks or 
maybe there's just not that much to tell. They only have to say, here's how we did it. And yeah. now Philip's back. Yeah. Because they already hinted that they were that. probably going to be able to do it. Mm. So maybe yeah. there's just not a lot to show there. So I d- it does make me wonder, what are we going to see in season three? What kind of stories? Because at one point for season two, we theorized that maybe we wouldn't see flashbacks anymore. Please, no burning rooms. Or, or rather, just before... <laughs> Yeah, that (laughs) Neil is not going to a burning room. Okay, let me read this feedback from (laughs) David. Uh, It says, I have a theory for season three. I think Aurora and Henry are going to communicate through their dreams again, which will let Neil know what's going on and where Henry is being held captive, which will launch Neil on a quest of finding a portal to Neverland. He will reunite with Emma and the gang who all search for Henry in Neverland. It's so interesting because I can't see them spending another significant portion of time with somebody stuck in the enchanted forest with Aurora and Mulan trying to get to where they want to be with their loved ones. And yet, you know that that's going to happen to some degree. So there must be something else to make it more interconnected in a more, in a different way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I don't want to see them use that element again. They already told us that the dream ability fades. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I really want to believe that it's gone by now. Right. Henry's not having those dreams anymore. anymore. Aurora well, Bay isn't. would have to, Bay, Neil, whatever, would have to have the sleeping curse. To, oh, you mean Aurora? Yeah, Never mind. Aurora's um, back there right. too. So yeah, it fades, but maybe there's something bigger, like Peter Pan is starting to take over the Enchanted Forest as mm. well. Maybe he can travel back and forth. The Shadow Camp. And so... You have people in both realms fighting the same enemy. Yeah, but you don't know if Peter Pan can or can't right. at this point. Yeah. I think Peter Pan can. It could be that he's, yes, yeah, stuck. <laughs> yes, it rhymes. Let's all just acknowledge it. Yeah. <laughs> it could be that Peter is stuck in Neverland and he's getting the shadow to do his business in other worlds. But I, it. Maybe Peter Pan's a girl. Well, I in, hope not. And maybe Aurora's plays, a boy. In many of no. the plays, Peter Pan was played by a girl. Yeah. Well, yeah, but playing a boy. Yeah. But, yeah, that's true. So we've got a lot to see of where mm. Neil will go with this. Because now, so I was saying about how we thought season two was going to go. They did have, if you want to call them flashbacks, they did have those two past Enchanted Forest. And they had present day fairy tale land, but then up to a point, then they stopped doing that. This time we've got Neverland. I think the potential for past Neverland and now potential for present uh, present day fairy tale land with Neil, Aurora, Mulan, and Philip. Mm-hmm. I hope they don't go back to adding Enchanted Forest back into there also. Because what things do we really need to see in Enchanted Forest? What elements of the story are story enough or worthy of stories? Now, what are you saying? Past Enchanted Forest? Yes, past Enchanted Forest. Is there really anything that they need to show us from past Enchanted Forest? I can see it happening here and there um, as a way of establishing more of a given character's character. Such as what they just recently did with Regina and Snow. um, Okay, if there are more Red stories, Red and Belle, and who knows if they've maybe met at some point in the Enchanted Forest, but now they're in Storybrooke, and they're probably 
there are a few prominent people still in Storybrooke, so I can see them doing at least some episodes partially still in Storybrooke. I wonder about that because Maybe with, not right all of our, with all of our main characters gone from Storybrooke, I really wonder, do we need to go back to Storybrooke very often? I, I think they set up enough interesting stuff. I feel like... And Belle is now considered a central character, I believe. Well, she was at least for season for two. For season two, she was. So now she's there. She has these... Not really mysterious, but she has some instructions. So I don't know that we need to see Storybrooke even in the premiere. But I think we will want to see sometime after that, see if this protection spell is working see if anybody's trying to get in the greg and tamara connection red and granny and archie and dr whale and blue fairy are all still there yeah so there is enough that some stuff could happen certainly some characters there that we've known and loved but not primary characters right the primary ones well well, you know we could nickname them the uh oceanic six go to (laughs) neverland and then We've got Neil in Enchanted Forest. Oh my gosh. But I, I think that those will be the realms that they'll be focusing on. Present day Fairytale yeah. Land, Neverland, and maybe some past to Neverland. But I can't really see much happening with Storybrooke. But that's what we're going to talk about next with Storybrooke. But anything else, any other conjectures or anything about moving forward with present day Fairytale Land? I love that you just made that lost connection because I was trying to figure that out. Thank you. Uh-huh. And and that's too vague to really be a spoiler, maybe. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's very it was vague. a lot vaguer a little while ago. So. <laughs> people, so, you'll just have to watch Lost because the same people that wrote that wrote this and they're making a lot of connections. So just watch it. Yeah, it You've is a great months. series, actually. Now, let's move on to talking about Storybrooke. (laughs) The first scene we see is Henry on the swing next to jagged rocks. I I challenge That's a bad place for a swing set. Give me a more creepy scene in the whole of Once Upon a Time, because I don't think there was one. I don't think there's ever been a creepier scene than that, watching... Him try to murder his grandson upon the jagged rocks. It was so bad. And um, that was a dumb place for a swing set. Yeah, the, the city, Storybrook needs to fire their <laughs> playgrounds manager because exactly. they designed this new play set, which could. That looks like a death yeah, trap. Could disembowel or disembody <laughs> any kid who falls on it. Dismember. Dismember. Got it. That's there right. you go. Dismember any kid who You're falls on You're thinking of wraiths. And that was in the episode uh, Fruit of the Poisonous Tree that we saw that <laughs> mm-hmm. castle uh, playground. Yeah, there. Like, it looks deadly. The kids have no way to get over those spires. We need something worse. <laughs> and now in this episode, jagged we see rocks. that they've got a swing next to sharp, jagged rocks. Yeah, facing the rocks. So if the kid jumps <laughs> off the swing, they're going to get impaled. Right. The whole time after he gets distracted by everybody walking up i kept expecting the rope to break and henry to just fall on the ground yeah. <laughs> and everybody to kind of look I, I around like what just happened when i heard the the slamming car door or truck door i thought oh my gosh it just happened for like a split second <laughs> he, he 
did it. He did it. And he, it fell. And oh my gosh. But Granny was there guarding Henry. I love not that. Very looking well. awesome, though, with the crossbow. But she did yeah. get up. It looked like she heard something. Yeah. Maybe she smelled something. That's what I thought. I'm wondering if gold distracted her with his magic somehow <laughs> like he you know magically threw a pebble kind of thing okay and distracted her because she got up she was looking at henry holding her crossbow and then she maybe hears something but she gets up and starts looking around in the opposite direction mm-hmm. of yeah. gold and yeah. it surprised her when she saw that he was back there yeah the other funny thing about that scene to me was that i just wouldn't have pegged henry for the sit on a playground and swing alone while under guard sort of person. He yeah. just, I was like, I feel like he would have gotten bored with that in about five seconds. But there he was, swinging away. Well, until he, he almost to, wasn't. He used to go to his castle all the time. and Yeah, by himself. He's a kid. He's a kid. Kids like to swing. I like to swing. I'm not a kid. Granny, <laughs> People thank like swinging. you for guarding me with your crossbow. I'm going to swing. She's the best, best babysitter ever. There's Coolest all kinds of stuff. Yeah. There's been like, I mean, battles and magic, but I'm going to swing. How many kids can say that their their babysitters carry around a crossbow? <laughs> what, yours didn't? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> I feel left out. When uh, Emma, David, and Mary Margaret arrived to tell Gold and Henry the bad news, Gold just gives up completely. Pretty he's, much. He's giving in to his fate, or it's called fatalism. And well, he just lost his son. Yeah, he feels responsible for everything. Now, yeah. I do appreciate that he did take responsibility for it. He said, no, Tamara didn't do this. I did. Because mm-hmm. he realizes that, yes, he caused all of these things to happen. And it there, is his fault. Greg and Tamara are there because of magic. Right. So, yeah, he did cause it. Yeah, and, and bringing magic to Storybrooke, mm-hmm. the price he had to pay was losing Bay, basically. And then now he's saying that... <sighs> he will pay the price of uh, anything else. Yeah. But he also said he's made his peace with dying. Or he had at that moment anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I wondered, was this a quick decision or was this something that he's come to the decision? He's had a really hard this? life. I think he just kind of snapped. It, I think it was just giving up. What I'd like to believe happened in that moment because he made a wild swing from one end of the episode to the other. No pun with the swing intended. (laughs) What I'd like to believe is that he was shocked back to reality with the news about Neil because he'd put Neil off to the side in his mind. That was all done. He was waiting over there for whenever he was basically ready to resume the whole reconnection thing. So once he hears that he's gone again, that he's lost him basically in the same way, He's chosen other things over his son. His son went through a bean portal. It happened again. Another one. He comes back to his senses, realizes his priorities, realizes he was just about to kill his grandson just to save his own life, Mm -hmm. and realizes he just, if that's how it's going to be, he just needs to die. Do you realize something? Two people connected with Rumpelstiltskin can't escape from... The same thing that they've been going through. Like, Belle kept getting kidnapped, <laughs> and Bay keeps falling through bean holes. <laughs> Two people connected with Rubble Stiltskin. It's true. Clearly, Granny is babysitting the wrong person. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Who should, should she, she be? Right. Are you talking about? Oh, I thought it Belle. was either Belle or oh. Rumble. I wasn't sure what you meant. Oh. Well, Red was babysitting Belle at once. Actually, it was no. It was Belle was babysitting Red at one at one time. <laughs> Never mind. She was. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> when Greg and Tamara took Hook down into the mines, there was a a, a lot of more interesting information given to us about this organization and some of the wording that Tamara uses as they as she describes this are really interesting. Listen to this. Unlike you, Hook, we believe in something. We have faith in the sacredness of our cause. She I, sounds really religious. Yeah, again, faith and which isn't and only a religious term. The world and evil it's and unholy sacredness yeah. of their cause. This isn't just she likes to use certain words, but she, yeah, really seems like she's got some holy war going she on. She really believes in what she's doing. But I wonder how much of that is inspired by whoever they're working for. Maybe she knows this person they're working for personally. She doesn't. Yeah, but she could be lying. But yeah, she probably doesn't. Well, yeah, Gold said that they don't know who they're working for, didn't he? Yeah, he said that at the very end, Which, that they don't even know. And and Hook points that out, too. And they're they're okay with it because they believe in a cause and the sacredness of their cause. Yeah. They must have both had... Well, we know, we know Greg's story with his dad and everything, but I wonder what Tamara's story is. Yeah. Now, there were some... In that same conversation, there were some contradictions oh. that may have just been contradictions or not just maybe I'm reading too much into it, or it might have been important because Tamara says... None of your kind will survive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she and was then pretty Greg much says we're prepared to die for our cause. Are you? So why are they going to die? Henry's not going to. It, I think that was just well, to communicate their dedication. But it, I think, do you think they were actually saying you're going to die? Or I don't, I don't understand what he was yeah, saying. So, what they then, were saying about are you ready to die mm-hmm. for your cause, Hook? Well, because he was, he was going to die did, in Storybrooke. Yeah, yeah, he was going to die, die. But they, but not Greg and, Greg and Tamara, were leaving. Right, they were packing up to leave Storybrooke. So, you think so it was they just were disconnected. Yeah, they were and, saying they were just stating their dedication. Yeah. Right. Okay. Right, and then pointing that out that hey, you're the one that's going to die. Are you as dedicated as we are? We're willing to die. You're actually going to die for your cause. Okay. Yeah, you said that much better than I could. <laughs> Thank you. We had another <laughs> little show of their technology. It was kind of a, a minor thing, but the thing Greg was holding, they were either provided with a map of oh. the mine, or he had some sort of advanced like sonar or radar to show him the layout of the mine. One or the other. It was also his phone. Well, yeah, it was his phone. <laughs> yes, it was his phone. <laughs> However, <laughs> it was GPS tracking underground, yeah. which yeah. makes no sense. And if it wasn't reading the layout of the mine... Mm-hmm. Somebody gave them a map of the mine. Either thing is interesting, and one more than the other. Yeah. I, I'm not so sure that the diamond or the, the chocolate diamond needed to be placed <laughs> there or if they just put it there because that's where the pickaxes were. The diamond picks at, pickaxes. That's what I, because I looked at this, the, the scene whenever they got to where they were going. Mm-hmm. 
Greg looked over and he looked at the pickaxes. Like I, mm-hmm. he probably didn't know what he was looking for until he got there. Well, no, they didn't know how to activate it, and they said this. It, the home office told them how to activate it, and I think he even referred to the dwarf pick. Oh no, Hook said something about you came down here just to steal a dwarf axe or pickaxe, and they said this is how we activate it. Oh. It makes sense because these are diamond pickaxes which are stronger than anything remember snow's whole speech Mm -hmm. back in the episode heart of darkness do to human flesh (laughs) (laughs) but the pickaxe that they grabbed did you notice which one it was no it almost seemed like greg chose it of all of them because they were all hanging up and he chose this one oh happy's pickaxe (laughs) no way (laughs) yes he he spun it a little in his hand and i could clearly see it said the word happy that's great So, do you think it would have mattered which one he picked out? It, I don't know. It could have because it looked like no. he was trying to pick one of them out, not just grab one, but he looked at them for a moment and then picked one out. I think that's just because he was surprised that it was a pickaxe. I'd like I to believe. I think he didn't know what was down there. I think I think that that they were just leading him to the spot so that he could find the pickaxe and mm. they said whatever you find down there, use it. What do you find? Whatever you find at the spot, use it to activate the gem. I'd like to believe that in some part of their minds, they're going, but no, really, I grew up knowing about the Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, and these are their pickaxes. Yeah, magic's horrible. We got to get rid of it. But come on, these are the Seven Dwarves we're talking about. And <laughs> I've got one of their pickaxes. Take a picture. <laughs> Yeah, he takes pictures of food. Why doesn't he take pictures of stuff in Storybrooke? <laughs> in, our ch- in our chat room, Winnie, who is also taking our show notes for this episode. Thanks, Winnie. Winnie pointed out, uh, she says, I was wondering if Greg was able to use it or how Greg was able to use it if it didn't have his name. Good point. But Good I point. think that in this case, it's a magic pickaxe with magic chocolate diamond it probably just needed to be used by anybody, not yeah. necessarily the person whose name was on the axe. <laughs> yeah. Unless maybe Greg was just happy. <laughs> I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> maybe that's what he was doing as he was thinking, do I feel grumpy? No. Do I feel sleepy? No. Do I feel sneezy? No. I do feel happy right now. Oh so goodness. I'll pick this one. <laughs> oh my goodness. Because remember what happened when Dreamy, in the episode Dreamy, mm, had his axe when he used it, when he was his personality was grumpy and he used his pickaxe that said dreamy the axe broke so they gave him a new axe and it was then uh, the name came on it grumpy he was Mm -hmm. so grumpy he broke his (laughs) pickaxe yeah then we go to regina and henry margaret david emma all of them together and regina pointed out because she could feel that the the diamond had started the trigger was starting and (laughs) she said that henry would survive because he was born in this world but do you really think that would have been the case because he's emma and neil's son the offspring of two enchanted forest born characters well she knew how it worked she knew his history so i think that would have been the case what i don't understand is what separates now okay well i'll finish my original thought what separates him from emma and pinocchio and uh, hook people who came over in ways other than the curse Mm -hmm. 
if yeah. the but they weren't born safe, here. I know, but if the failsafe is affecting mainly the curse, and if it's not going to affect Henry, even though he is the child of at least one magical parent, what makes him different? Just because he was born here. Now there's, you know, you could get into some kind of thing they haven't touched on where maybe they <laughs> have some subatomic resonance that's different <laughs> being from this world versus fairy tale land and but but still metachlorines no <laughs> no i'm thinking more along fringy lines but oh, okay. <laughs> um i don't know i think it's I, just as simple as henry just wasn't born here so he wasn't cursed We've already seen that. He's not cursed. Well, yeah, he can go out of Storybrook just like Hook can, but Hook was in danger too. Yeah, he was. Yeah. He he was born in a magical land. He wasn't born in our land. It right. makes sense to me. I, I just, I don't want to take that statement as being truth, but they didn't give us enough to really well, have a legitimate question it. to it. They reinforced it from from the part one. Of the finale to part two. They kept saying it. I they just did. can't find a common thread mm. that makes Henry other than simple birth, which I don't know why that matters. Well, he was born here. Unless it the failsafe looks at citizenship papers. Yeah. <laughs> Baby, he was born that way. <laughs> 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 in case anyone's wondering the baby was directed to my wife oh uh, okay jeremy Thanks. i thought it was to the whole audience but if you want to slight them that's fine <laughs> i thought you were talking about the actual baby that was born <laughs> speaking of babes from the mouths of babes i'd say the lad is a point <laughs> <laughs> what? that was Had hilarious to get the punch noise in there <laughs> yeah that was such a quick punch it was like all of a sudden it was being punched. <laughs> well, that's David's style. Remember in the episode, The Doctor, he did that to Dr. Whale. Dr. Whale <laughs> showed up and wanted to ask a question, and David's first reaction was to punch Dr. Whale. And said, <laughs> Do you think that's for any thinking involved? It was just kind of, it just doesn't even seem like there was time for him to think, I'm going to punch this guy. I just haven't. <laughs> oh, he's Prince Charming. He's yeah. good. Yeah, but he the... was not very charming to hook through the whole thing, which I thought was amazing. He was sarcastic. He was threatening. It was pretty funny. Well, <laughs> Hook just, Hook steals women. I guess Charming doesn't want his woman to get stolen. Oh, hey, I'd be the same way. Yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah. It was pretty funny. Yeah. Several point in times through this episode, it's emphasized that Hook is really all about caring for himself. It's true. Bay reminded him of it back in uh, Neverland. David reminds him of it. Hook says it himself. Hook even later said that his own life is motivation enough to do all of these things. I made a note of that. And I think, is there something we don't know about him? Is is he motivated other than him, if is, I wonder if he has something else that's motivating him other than himself. Something unfinished. Something that he's hoping for. He didn't when he said it. But I think that later on he remembered something else. Yeah. Right. He said. Yeah, he comes around later on. But here he was saying that he values his life more than he values revenge. Right. Yeah, but the way that he said there's plenty motivation, I can assure you. It yeah. just sounded like he was living for something something more than just himself. I, I, I took that as uh, his saying, 
I'm just so charming. I think that's motivation for me enough to save my own life. <laughs> okay. I, I was just wondering if there was something more there, if it was purely self-driven something. When they start talking about ways to slow down the trigger or what could they do to affect the trigger, I was immediately thinking, Regina's going to die. She's going to sacrifice herself in this episode, and she Again. will die. She won't be in season three at all because she will die. Oh, that She'll would be She'll give so up her sad. life. But that's not what happened. But that's what she was thinking would, would happen. And she made this then heartfelt apology to Henry. Sorry for what's happened. I tried to be the person that you wanted me to be, and I failed. But I won't let you be alone. You just know that I love you. I love you, too. I loved that. She flails pretty wildly, too. I'll just say that. It's all fireballs one week and apologies the next. But then I guess that's just a metaphor for life, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) You realize that both story arcs this year ended having to do with Regina going all Emperor Palpatine on some magical thing, right? She did it to the well <laughs> at the, before the winter break, and then she did it to the trigger at the end of the whole season. She's just a magnet for magic. There's way. always something that she helped create that she has to stop, possibly at the risk of killing herself, apparently. Moving on, do you remember <laughs> in our last episode, or talking about the last episode of the TV show, when we talked about Second Star to the Right, I mentioned that uh, the dream that Belle had had in the episode The Crocodile when Rumpel gave her that necklace. In that dream, that's when Grumpy comes into Mr. Gold's shop and he wants his pickaxe back and he says that nothing in that shop belongs to him. Well, now this aspect of the Mm -hmm. dream is also coming true because the dwarves are in Mr. Gold's shop. I loved that. I love that. I, I want to see more of that. I want to see people going in Mr. Goldshop and getting back what it's theirs. <laughs> and I like how they connected this together. Of It was this thing that they needed, and that was Sneezy's cup. They called it something else. I can't remember. But his... Stein. His, yeah, Stein. And we've seen that before. Back in the episode Dreamy, yeah. we, I had pointed out mm-hmm. back then that each of the dwarfs had their own ones and then right. at some point in the series, in season one or season two, we pointed out those are in Mr. Gold's shop. Mm-hmm. So it was cool to tie that back in. And remember how uh, Snow White, when she was all mean, had broken, <laughs> what was it, Happy's? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look what so. you're doing to Happy. Well, yeah, she, <laughs> somebody's. I, I can't remember whose it was. I can't remember but, either. But uh, she replaced it then. Still and that mean. was, to them, that was one of their most valued possessions. Mm-hmm. And so that was a great connection here using Blue Fairy's magic spell, which I love how Rumpel was just so she figured it out today. Yeah, (laughs) I know. Yeah. The second time I watched this episode, I I figured out why he needed to give Belle her cup. Oh, yeah. In order to for that to work. It just didn't make sense the first time. Now it did. It had to be special. And if he had needed it, he would have had to try to drink it out of the shawl, which would have been really Yeah, that would have been really awkward. I liked that Grumpy actually asked for the second dose for Belle. Yeah, it's really nice 
what he said to Rumpelstiltskin or Mr. Gold, and here that is. Balance help remind me who I was. I've never forgotten. I want to return the favor. Don't let her die as Lacey. For real. Don't let her live another day in our sight as Lacey. <laughs> Just get rid of Lacey. Thank you so much for that, writers. I love you. <laughs> and I have a little theory to interject at this point. Speaking of Grumpy, uh-huh. since we have at no time gotten to see his little reunion that we would have hoped he would have with Astrid. Mm-hmm. What's her name? Astrid yes. or Nova in Storybrooke. I guess she's both, so it doesn't matter. Actually, it does. What's her Storybrooke name? Astrid. Mm-hmm. I think she missed the memo back at the beginning of this season, crossed the town line, <laughs> became Astrid, and went to Boston and became a nun. <laughs> That's what I think. So okay. someday we'll see a reunion. I think we should see her again. That's how I, I liked... reconcile this in my mind. At first, at first she annoyed me, but now she's just... I, I want to see her again. <laughs> 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 just to hear that again. That's great. Now, in the great Oneser project that Phoenix815 did, uh, or Sarah, as her real name is, uh, she did this video, and we'll link to this in the show notes at oncepodcast.com slash 102, but she did this Oneser project where she wanted people to put in, send in their videos saying, I'm a Oneser. She got Lee Ehrenberg in the video, and he's saying, <laughs> oh, I'm oh, a yeah. Oneser. And she, part of this project was she wanted to know what kind of ship people liked. And ship, by the way, is just short for relationshiping. Yes. So what kind of relationship it was that people liked. And Leroy, or the uh, Lee Ehrenberg, who plays Leroy and Grumpy in there, was like, I ship Grumpy and Astrid. Or uh, <laughs> Grumpy and Nova. Yeah. Grova. Yeah. Grova. Grova. <laughs> Grova. <laughs> yeah, which was great. And we'll have that video. You got to check it out over at oncepodcast.com slash 102. Check out that video and share it with all of your uh, Oncer fans and friends. And I wanted to be a part of the video, but I just couldn't get my video recorded in time. Maybe there'll uh, be a part two. Ooh. But great job on it, by the way, I'd like Sarah. to get in on that action. Yeah. <laughs> so we... I think I was... Well, I know. I was surprised at how Lacey got her memories back as Belle. I was expecting so the true kiss thing to yeah. happen. I wasn't. You were thinking can, something like this? It could or? never have worked. It couldn't. The yeah. wrong person was loving the wrong person. They were the real them is buried beneath. Mm-hmm. So you think it was like a like a Cora Rumpelstiltskin kind of love? Lacey loving the dark one is not true love, and it could never have done anything. Yeah. Mm. Well, I did want to see them win back and use true love's kiss but then again maybe the writers were thinking all right we've used true love's kiss so many times let's do something else How she's a, a potion trouble lover that's what she loves she's a trouble lover but then they also had to have something to explain how Sneezy gets his memories back because they couldn't go into a whole true love story with Sneezy. They had to have something that would be quicker and probably not drag out into the third season. Plus, we got to see Grumpy mm-hmm. do a favor for yeah. Mr. Gold. Mr. Gold. That was awesome. Yeah, it was. And all the dwarfs together. All of Team yeah. 7 was there. That was awesome to see them. And I wonder if they're going to be in season 3. I'd love to see all of them in season 3 also. But they're still in Storybrooke, and everyone else is going everywhere else. So I don't know if we'll see them again. I hope Mm -hmm. we do. 
Emma and Regina went to find this chocolate diamond and down in the mine to try to slow down the trigger. And Emma described it as feeling like the air was being sucked out. And Regina said, that's magic. Yeah. So Emma could feel the magic <laughs> being sucked out of Emma Storybook. Emma now breathes magic. What do you think about that? I think it's, I think it's, um, do you think it's something that helps her live? Like, does she depend on magic? Is it so part of her now that she depends on it? I would think I not. Yeah, I don't like think so. Like, it's part of her body? They can just feel it. Yeah. Which yeah, makes but... me think of Blue Fairy, who could She'll... feel magic. Emma, the series will end after Blue Fairy has died, and Emma will take her place, flying around uh, in a little blue dress. But well, consider this. Not a we... little blue dress. <laughs> an octopus dress. <laughs> We talked in the episode, (laughs) The Evil Queen, we talked about how Regina seems to not be able to recognize when there's magic and when there isn't. She can't feel it. I think a reason is because she's not born of magic. She's not a naturally magic being. She's learned magic. Magic being, not being, being. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But Blue Fairy is. (laughs) So when magic, when Mr. Gold brought magic back, Blue Fairy could feel it. Emma is also the product of true love. She is magical, born of magic, I think. So she could feel magic as well. Do you think as well. she just has become so accustomed to to feeling magic that the absence of it feels odd? And it's Maybe. kind of like the feeling of suffocating. Yeah. But yeah. Regina could feel whatever Emma was feeling. So maybe maybe we're reading too much into it. Uh, well, she did, as Erin Jay is pointing out in the chat room, she did use magic only three times. Yes, she's a natural. Well, she's so good three, at it. Three significant times. She's got a lot of magic on her. The the whole lie detection thing could be other ways she's used magic, but mm-hmm. not the major kind of things, magical things like pushing back Korra or the protection spare, spell around Mr. Gold's shop. Yeah. And here... And the dream catcher thing. Yeah, the dream catcher. So up to this point, she's only used magic those three times. So as she and Regina have this little thing, Regina then says this, like, gives this farewell speech. What am I supposed to tell Henry? Tell him that in the end it wasn't too late for me to do the right thing. Everyone looks at me as the evil queen, including my son. Let me die as Regina. I think that was great. Let me die as Regina. Not the Mm -hmm. evil queen, but Regina. A human being. I think maybe wanting to go back to those days, like the stable boy, of being young, energetic, not bitter, not angry, but loving someone and being loved by someone. That's what she wants to go back to as Mm -hmm. Regina. She's doing the right thing for the right reason this time. Mm. There is good in her. Back at Mr. Gold's shop, (laughs) instead of using the potion, Mr. Gold's first reaction was to just drink away their sorrows, drinking more (laughs) McCutcheon there. And Belle spills that lost prop. And starts wiping it up with Bay's shawl. Yeah. Which, wow, that's like major insult, which, of course, Gold took it that way. But 
Belle had no idea. I think this was kind of a moment where he realized, wow, she really has no idea. Mm-hmm. I need her right now. And he did. He said that I need, he needed her back. Yeah. And so I do wonder what would have happened if he drank the potion because he poured some for her and some for himself. He never drank it. I don't think anyone, anything would have happened. I think he just needed her to think that it was just a drink and it was all right to drink it. Mm-hmm. It would have much- been great if she just went, wait, what is this? And threw the cup again. <laughs> He's like, no, no, I just put that back together. <laughs> She'll drink anything, apparently. <laughs> I thought she True. had to drink the whole thing. Yeah, it did surprise me that she drank very little and they still had a lot left they in did. the bottle. But- I wonder if that'll... I wonder if we'll see that again. I don't know. It, it makes me wonder, does it work outside of Storybrooke? Does it mean that now people like Belle can cross the storyline without having to have a valuable possession with them as a talisman? Well, once they cross, why would they do it? Because they wouldn't know what they were doing anymore. They could be restored when they come back. What is it with hairs? That's true. Oh. What is it with hairs? Yeah, because it was a, one of Pinocchio's oh. Magic hairs. comes from hair... Well, hair is magical. Why do you think it's we like don't want it in our food? Of people. Yeah. You don't want that in your food. <laughs> no, nobody wants that in their Mm-mm. food. Nobody wants to drink anything that had a hair in it. That's right. What is with hairs and magic? And well, hairs. Hairs. I don't know. What is it? <laughs> it's kind of disturbing. <laughs> Maybe that's a. People keep consuming stuff with hairs in it. That's a secret we'll find the answer to in season eight. <laughs> The hairy season. And who knows? <laughs> who knows if the hairs are clean or not? <laughs> I, I, I think that magic has a disinfecting effect on the hairs. I just want to know. That would be the one question I would ask if if I went and saw Eddie Kitsis and Adam Horowitz. I would ask, what is up with the hairs? Wow. What is up with hairs? Well, speaking of hairs, let's talk about Pixie Cut, Mary Margaret, <laughs> who at, nice. the, at the diner, <laughs> Mr. Segway, uh. <laughs> at the diner, uh, they were all gathering there. And I assume by then Sneezy had just drank his potion and was like, hey, guys, I'm back. I too. And uh, all of that. They're, too. they're kind too. of there celebrating a little bit when Emma comes in and they have this conversation and it was great to see archie there because last episode we got to see dr whale Mm -hmm. for that tiny Uh little scene this episode we got to see archie it's like they're letting us see all of the characters we loved from the past seasons Mm -hmm. one last time before maybe moving on or reminding us that hey there actually are a significant number of important people staying in storybrook yeah Yeah. just to remind us that it's it's normal people are still here there's there's I thought it was nice because we haven't seen Archie in a long mm-hmm. time. But the one person we didn't see was Ruby. That's true. Because I Megan Ory is on set for another series filming an episode <gasps> for it. So yeah, that's why see, she wasn't able to be here. Seeing Granny is almost like seeing Ruby. Yeah. Because they're so connected. Yeah. Like, come on. <laughs> Get her in there somehow. I mean, the guy that plays Philip was there for, I mean, two seconds. Yeah. yeah. Well, Philip might be coming back. It it does make me wonder. He will be coming back. Are, are he we, is back. <laughs> are we moving past Ruby, Granny, nope. Archie, the Seven Dwarves? Stop. Everyone it. left in Storybrooke. No. I don't think they'll be dropping them completely because they can't. They just <laughs> yeah. can't. They can't. Maybe for part of a season, but yeah. Maybe 
I mean, I, they have to. They all have to get back to fairy tale land. That's just what needs to happen. By the end of this, all they all need to go back to fairy tale land. Oh, filming filming for season three starts on July twelfth, twenty thirteen. So I'll be if, there. If no one minds <laughs> spoilers, then I would suggest follow the cast and crew on Twitter, which you can get to our convenient Twitter list of all the cast and crew by going to oncepodcast.com slash Twitter list. And follow them, and you can watch for who's tweeting about being back in Steveston or back in Vancouver I or don't tweeting anything. Know. That's this is for people who want to see those kinds of spoilers oh, okay. and know what characters are coming back. So you Got can it. check that around July twelfth, and you'll be able to see maybe who is going to be back in Once Upon a Time, at least mm. that uh, premiere episode of season three. But they come up with this idea of what to do with the trigger. And they mentioned the Wraith, uh, which suddenly when they mentioned the Wraith, I was thinking at this point, when we first saw the episode, I was thinking we are going to see the whole Wraith and Philip Thane, that story, because they reminded us about the Wraith. But then I also looked at the clock around that time and realized there's not enough time to do that. <laughs> yeah. They're not going to show that. I love. It would have been if they'd made it two hours. Mm. I <laughs> Love how they keep tying things up so neatly by reminding us about something right before or or hinting towards something right before we see what it really has to do with. Like they do that so well. And I could give lots of examples, but I'm not prepared to. Yeah, they, they, <laughs> they want to remind us of something so that it makes that connection for yes. us later. And it's not so much of a jump. Yeah, I love to that. Remember, what, where did this come from? I and love that. All of that. They're so thorough. You guys, good job. I'm clapping for you right now. I like that. (laughs) But uh, when they come up with this idea, Archie really stands up and gives everyone a rally cry. Look, Snow White and the Prince have always led us before. And we've always won. So, who's willing to let them lead us again? Yes. 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 Yeah, that was good. Mm-hmm. It was great to see him again. And by the way, if you want to hear our interview with Raphael Sabarge, go back to oncepodcast.com slash 77 and you'll get to hear us talk with Jiminy Cricket. That was a very enjoyable interview. It was. Yeah, that was fun. And David Anders in episode 78 was yeah. fun. And I really enjoyed having Prince Charming and Snow White be themselves again. Yeah. That's great. I mean, they, they've been themselves, but they have been kind of taking a backseat to Emma and a lot of other people who have been running around doing things. Yeah. Letting them lead and having them, you know, do it right <laughs> was good. Speaking of Snow Charming and Emma, do you remember when she said, I don't want Henry to grow up like I did mm. alone? Ouch. That, yes, exactly what Ooh, I was thinking. Yeah. Ouch, because she said that too. To almost said snarming and Cho. I thought you were gonna say Sister charming, Mary Margaret. Charming and Snow. <laughs> yeah, that would have hurt. That would have hurt. I I was but wondering. Then she something. called a mom and dad to yeah. make up for it. Yeah. <laughs> it, during the Pacific time airing of Once Upon a Time, several of the cast were tweeting as the episode was going on, and <laughs> Josh Dallas, who plays Prince Charming, tweeted at that moment. He said. Did you hear that? She called me dad. I wonder if she'll ever do that again <laughs> or something like that. Uh, it was great. It wasn't really fun awkward. It was yeah, perfect. Very touching. See, they're getting some of those firsts as parents. The first time she said mom and dad. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> they were so proud of her. Yeah. Not nearly her first words, but whatever. But, but this was all, this was right after they realized their plan was going to fail. But that plan was to use the bean to make a portal, send the trigger through the portal. And I, I was wondering something here. They said into the abyss, but it made me wonder something else. And Obi's girl <sighs> yeah. sent in this great question, wondering that basically the same thing. She said, how would sending the fail safe to fairy tale land solve anything? Basically you are still sending a bomb to another world and that could kill its inhabitants. Well, two things. Number one, and this would make more sense if it were clearly tied to the curse, which when they first started talking about it, it sounded like it was mostly tied to the curse, not just magic in general. So if it went somewhere where the curse was not, maybe the after effects of the curse were not present, who knows? But the biggest point is that David actually said, send it into a void, which begged the question for me. Mm-hmm. That was Regina's idea, and it was a lie. So what makes you think you can send it into a void now? She right. said the Enchanted Force didn't exist, so you'd be sending it into a void. Oh, that right. was a lie. Because so, she's been there. You're yeah. Right. Huh. Yeah, right. or with, some people have been there now. But <laughs> it doesn't make any sense that he said that to me, but that's okay. Hmm. Yeah, I thought, Good well, thought. if it went to fairy tale land as a bomb would it have removed all of the magic from fairy tale land and then like (gasps) so i was thinking they send it back this is the way i thought it was going to go they send it back it takes out all of the magic from present day enchanted forest and neil is there aurora mulan all of that and then they have to struggle to find their way in a land now completely devoid devoid of magic Mm -hmm. that's the direction i thought this was going to go when they mentioned the portal but as we learned very quickly, that's not the way it was going to go because of selfish little hook. Interesting. interesting. <laughs> I'm glad it didn't work. That would have been hard. Enchanted forest without magic. Mm. But Regina's magic could slow down the trigger. And did you notice some of those shots of Storybrook? It was already turning into a jungle. Yeah. The very quick shot where you could see not just like the main shots of the overgrowth coming through everything but there was a shot down the street where you could see about one block down it was nothing but just jungle mm-hmm. that was really cool to yeah, see and that. trees coming up like this <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> as i mentioned before i do my little tree dance <laughs> and it reminded me a lot of the finale for the first season with the smoke coming through storybrook oh, and covering yeah. up storybrook and this this time it was vegetation yes next season it will be smog or locust <laughs> <laughs> who knows but then it it wasn't enough regina's magic wasn't enough to actually stop the trigger only to slow it down but emma's magic plus regina's magic was enough so emma must have a lot of extra magic on her own And her magic, as Jeremy pointed out, her magic was blue. (laughs) And Regina's magic was, it looked red to me. It could have been purple. It was, basically, it was a different color. You know, she is a product of true love. And true love is the most powerful magic, right? Mm -hmm. So that would explain why Emma is so powerful. Right. I I wonder just how powerful she is. I think her magic is more powerful than Regina's. And we might get to see her trying to learn how to use her magic in Neverland, maybe. 
Yeah. Like maybe uh, Mr. Gold and Regina will both teach her about how to use magic. Do you think Henry is more powerful than Emma? Because he's a product of the product of true love. Hmm. I don't know. And that was true uh, love. Like the product of true love fell in love and then yeah. she had a kid. So she <laughs> So the product of the product of true love is Henry. Maybe. But it does a, I think a little bit depends true on love how, once removed. <laughs> how much of Rumpel Stiltskin's power passed not through blood because Henry was or uh, Bale was all Bay was already born. Right. But maybe being around that magic, it's kind of like radiation. Maybe it still touched him in some way. I'm sure anyway. it did. Goodness. Because she said, the, the Blue Fairy said that he was not untouched by magic. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's kind of like secondhand smoke. <laughs> Gosh. When Regina... You said you'd quit. <laughs> when Emma and Regina succeeded in actually stopping the trigger completely and Henry was gone, my first thought was... Henry was the price to pay for their magic. Oh, yeah. And he was sent back to, I was thinking he was going to wherever it was Neo went, which I, at that time, the first time I saw the episode, I was thinking that was present day fairy tale land. And I thought Neo would be there and Henry would be there. And they get this nice father son bonding moment back in Enchanted Forest. Well, that's not at all how it yeah. happened. There nope. was no price to pay for the magic they used. <sighs> I'm starting to think that. Only bad magic has a price to pay. Like Maybe. Blue Fairy, Blue Fairy, True Blue Fairy, never says anything about magic always comes with You're a price. You're right. The true. time she did, it was Cora disguised yes. as Blue Fairy. That's true. That's true. So, Great observation. And the, the magic that we've seen Emma use hasn't had a price. Now, there is the the uh, the quill that was enchanted to help capture Rumpelstiltskin, mm-hmm. which they said Blue Fairy enchanted the quill to capture Rumpelstiltskin. And remember, Prince Thomas disappeared mm-hmm. because well, that of was, that. It was not good which magic. Which strange. But yeah, it could either be that or it could be the price that he paid on Rumpel's behalf. Like Rumpel made him pay that price, not... The Blue Fairy's magic. But that's getting in, like, that was digging because, way back. Well, but that was more because they broke the deal, right? Right. They changed the deal. Yeah. So there, there was something bad in the nature of that yeah, use, the whole, that the particular whole use thing. of magic. And it could have been the squid ink. I was going to say, and people may be saying, no, it was the squid ink. Well, I'm going to go with the belief that at that point, Rumpel was trying to change history just to get them to discover the paper. Because it was a little too weird to suddenly say, actually, no, it was the ink. Well, it was the ink. It was the quill. Rumple just said it was the ink to get him in there. That's oh. that's my oh, story, right. and I'm sticking oh, to it. Right. Okay. <laughs> right. Yeah, okay. Because I don't, yeah, I don't want the story changing mid-season. <laughs> <laughs> but we find out that it was actually Greg and Tamara that kidnapped Henry. And they were fast. And Because we didn't did, get to see them. Why did they go to the ocean to throw the bean in? Why didn't they just, like, do it somewhere and jump in? Maybe you need to throw... Maybe it needs to be thrown in water to be to send, to send you to Neverland. That's an interesting thought, because every time we've oh. seen it go to Neverland, it's been in water. Exactly. So was the one to Storybrooke. It might just be an easier effect to, <laughs> to make. But 
Because um, the beans that have been thrown on the ground have portaled either to or away from Enchanted uh, Forest. Yeah. That's true. Like Bay but we've seen... Through. Well, the first time Bay used a bean, it brought him to our world. Yeah, well, yeah, London. I think... Well, the fairy directed it. And they put one into Lake Nostos, and it came to our world. Oh, right. No, um, no they didn't use a bean at Lake Nostos. Yes, they they used a bean that Hook's ship could go through. Korra and Hook used the giant's bean. They regenerated it with Lake Nostos. They used oh, they the used compass the and the ashes from Emma's wardrobe right. to oh, activate Lake Nostos right. as the portal. I forgot about that. Yeah. So they took that bean and they used it, threw it into wherever Hook's ship was so that they could uh, take Hook's ship back into right. our world. But still. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> I decided that Greg and Tamara just didn't want to leave a trace, and so they decided to put it in the water so it wouldn't leave a big crater. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that could be. So, they, yeah, I think that's a good idea. There are little things that I've started just filling in for myself just to make myself happy. <laughs> <laughs> Is that one <laughs> like, of the things? Yeah. That's got to be why. Sure, we'll go with that, because never mind that it made a really suspenseful chase right at the last minute. I think that the reason they headed for the water instead of doing it where they were... Was that? <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's a good idea. Really connects it there. Nice little detail. But what Greg said to Henry, wow, this brings up a lot of theories. And still, we've got some more th- feedback on this, even though we already touched on this. This is the other side of the coin of confusion. But listen to what Greg said. We came here to destroy magic, Henry. But then we found something more important, something that changed everything. You know, that really, really, really points to Peter Pan being there with them. Their boss. Being their boss. Exactly. I want to know. They had seen Henry before that. They were out to destroy magic. Unless, like we said, I think we said it before that maybe the trigger was partially just a diversion all along. But it seemed like they changed their mission almost right at the end there after they had activated the trigger. That's what I think. So how did they sort of... Like, what, get a picture of Henry? Maybe the message had just gotten to them. Maybe they had just received the message that, oh, by the way, we're looking for this kid. Have you seen him? He's like, he's, he could alter our mission. He's most important. I think it goes back to the last episode, second star to the right. At the end of it, Tamara said to Greg that they, the home office, wants them to move on to the next phase. She didn't say, well, actually, yeah, she did say we're going to blow Storybrooke off the map. Never mind. But I, she okay. said it's the only like, way to get what they all want. Yeah. She didn't necessarily say that that was the second phase. Right. Or the next phase. Right. So Greg did say they came to destroy magic. I think they weren't expecting to find Henry, but maybe like Peter Pan put this APB out there and said, if you find this kid, bring him. And then they realize at some point, whoa, this is the kid. This is him. We we still need to go through with destroying magic, but now we're going to use this as a diversion. It's fine if they stop it. But this is just enough of a diversion so we can get Henry and take him to Neverland mm-hmm. because our boss, whom we've never actually met, wants mm-hmm. Henry for some re- reason. Interesting. He changed everything. More important than destroying magic and finding him changes everything. 
maybe destroying magic was was just this boss's way of crossing out potential places where this kid could be. Yeah. Uh, Tamara even said, though, blowing up Storybrooke was never the point. Hmm. Just before that uh, audio I played from Greg. So this makes me wonder, how do they know this? And we'd speculated before, how are they getting this information from the home office, like finding out what the trigger is, all of this. Where is the home office? And, And yeah, we had been thinking, I'd been thinking at least, that... Home office was somewhere on Earth, mm-hmm. maybe started by the Darling family. But now it seems like it's not on Earth. Well, and- unless shape-shifting shadow on behalf of Peter Pan is helping to control a home office in our world that mm-hmm. they've been communicating with, maybe <sighs> with some kind of leverage still with his grip on the descendants of the Darlings... So maybe they are involved, but they don't know. Or maybe someone at the top knows who they're being controlled by. Kind of Hmm. a puppet organization sort of a thing. So that these magic hunters feel like they're working with non-magical beings. But really, (laughs) they're being controlled. And so maybe they're going to find out for the first time when they get to Neverland who they're really working for and what their mission's really been all along. And they didn't even know. You know, part of what you said is very similar to an email we received from Once a Believer saying, here's a theory I read that is very real as far as linking the home office with Tamara and Greg. Perhaps the shadow is how she communicates with him in Neverland. That might explain the quick nature in which she received answers and and instructions. Him is the person they are taking orders from, who could be Peter Pan, but I think it is someone else. I'm thinking it is Peter Pan, but they've never met Peter Pan because he's in Neverland. Mm -hmm. They've never been to Neverland. They just know they need to go there now that they have Henry. But they've been receiving receiving instructions from someone that is somehow able to travel back and forth. And remember, the shadow can travel between worlds. It's true. Even between a magic world and a non-magic world. Or at least once Bay broke through. Because Wendy had said that the shadow started showing up at, the, at their house around the same time Bay did, but Bay had already been there for been in the area for six months. Yeah. So mm-hmm. something about Bay showing up at the Darling families brought the shadow there. So, Was this the first time we saw them use magic, Greg and Tamara? That we know of, oh. unless the Taser somehow has magic oh. in it. And well, now I can believe that it has magic in it because because they have used magic now. Or or it's just a very special kind of electricity like Greg was using to torture Regina. All right. The taser has that kind of frequency. One of our listeners suggested that maybe magic is kind of like a certain frequency and they can block it. Well, I believe they're using technology and science, like mm-hmm. they said, at yeah. least on this side. Oh, yeah. I suppose they've been authorized to use the beans or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so I did wonder, how does finding Henry change the need to destroy magic? Because they were perfectly okay with the town continuing existing. And like magic I'm, being like I said, it might have just been a way of kind of crossing off different places. Yeah. Or it was in the, in the pursuit of finding this boy. Just a way to get humans 
to investigate magical occurrences. It's true. Uh, Could be. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty good. SD Curtis sent in this message saying, Tamar talks about magic and their sacred cause, almost like one might talk about the Crusades. What if this holy war against magic has merely been a ruse to try to find Henry? Very similar to what Jenny was saying. Once Greg and Tamar grabbed Henry, destroying the town suddenly became a low priority. What if Peter Pan sent the lost ones to our world, not only to act as an intermediary, but to help recruit people to find Henry under the guise of destroying magic? And... I think that I think this note comes from Slurpees108, who helps sort our email, suggesting Peter Pan, perhaps. Uh, I even wonder if maybe Greg and Tamara came from Neverland originally. Well, Greg, we know that he was a boy at one point, and he left Storybrooke, was talking about magic. They, whoever they are, found him. Maybe fairies that took him to Neverland? <sighs> And no, recruited him, and I, time works differently there. Doesn't necessarily mean it's faster or slower or anything. I don't think so. He wouldn't be the correct age anymore, unless it's that time just works differently in Storybrook. Not necessarily mm. that it passes faster, but works yeah. differently. So he might go there and well spend a year in his time in Neverland and come back, and it's only a week later. Could be, I guess. I don't know. So enough time for him to be trained, basically. It's like the anti-magic people's (laughs) training grounds boot camp. Yeah, but that'd be very strange. Erin J in the chat room just said that she thinks destroying Storybook Brooke was a way to get Henry because he'd be all alone. Oh, yeah. That's why they just grabbed him because they realized it wasn't going to work. They grabbed him because they found him. Well, yeah, but why not wait unless you know that it's going to somehow be defeated? Mm-hmm. You could just wait, and then he'd be alone. You wouldn't have to risk being caught or shot or but anything. It wasn't. it wasn't necessary anymore because they found him and they had him. It wasn't necessary. The point... This theory is that the point of destroying Storybrooke was to single one person out so you could easily pluck them out of where <laughs> they were. <laughs> So if they had already found him, then it was unnecessary. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. And that would kind that. of go along with what Tamara said. The point was never to blow Storybrooke up. The point being to find Henry. Yeah. Yeah, I could see so, that. So good theory, Aaron J. Slurpees108 sent in this email saying, It was established that there exists a curse of the mermaids in Neverland. My theory is that perhaps all of Neverland is cursed as well. Time seems to be frozen there, just as it was in Storybrooke for 28 years. Peter and the Lost Boys sound sinister. In the end, I'd prefer it if Peter Pan were actually a little boy afflicted with a curse. Peter may be a villain, but only in the way that Rumpelstiltskin is one. We know pre-Dark Rumpel was well-meaning, desperate father who wanted to save his son. Well, perhaps Peter is just a little boy who wanted to remain a child forever, but made a deal he didn't understand. Perhaps a bad fairy, Tinkerbell perhaps, tricked Peter into coming to Neverland where he became a curse to remain a parentless, lonely child forever. I hope Peter has been searching for Henry because he knows Henry is somehow destined to break Neverland's curse. As the Savior's son, it could be Henry's meant to break the curse that saves darkened Neverland. 
I think that's a great theory because his mom was a savior. Henry gets to be a savior. <laughs> savior <laughs> is apparently hereditary. Yeah, okay. but yeah, but the lost. Uh, what was his name? Felix. Felix. Yeah. He said since the since uh, Balefire wasn't Henry that he got to live. Right. So I hope Henry doesn't have to die in order to save well, you Neverland. Know, that's often the idea of a savior requires that someone dies. That's mm-hmm. true. I mean, but Emma didn't have to die. No, which, yeah, that was surprising, but it was the whole Mother's Day. Motherly kiss. And again, the mothers <laughs> save the day on Mother's Day here. As they're all leaving, Hook comes back. He's got the bean. They're about to go. And Gold said that Storybook is not safe because there will be others like Greg and Tamara coming. And that's why they're going to cloak Storybrooke and make it impossible to find. So that that's what makes me think we're really moving away from Storybrooke. Because he's basically saying Storybrooke is safe now. It's protected. It's invisible. No one's going to find it. You're safe. Let's leave Storybrooke. Goodbye, Storybrooke. We're not going to see you again on Once Upon a Time for a long time. <laughs> that's the kind of thing I'm thinking might be happening with this because it's it's like a way of saying goodbye basically a little bit bye for now <laughs> but gold really uh, several characters really had a change of heart in this episode and gold is among those who had the major largest change of heart i think you're not coming back are you the prophecy the boy is my undoing but he's also my grandson. I must save him. I must do this to honor Belfire. That was honorable. <laughs> so I love that he's choosing that. Earlier in the episode, he said he's made peace with his death. And I think that peace is still continuing through that. He's decided, yeah, I'm probably going to die. But I want to die honorably. I sure hope. I would love to see Rumpelstiltskin get everything he wants. His son, his his uh, his bell, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, use his magic for good. I would love to see all of that happen. I, you know, I would too. But now that you say that, I almost feel like there has to be a sacrifice, some price for uh, what he's done. Well, maybe, <laughs> but he maybe can... there has been. He's lived for centuries without his son. All and... right, I could see him without magic. That that being the ultimate happy ending yeah. for all of them. Well, he thinks his undoing means his death. I think they keep leading us in that direction yeah. to think that. But I think the way it will actually turn out is that because he'll do something to save Henry, he's willing to die. He'll do something to save Henry. He loses his Dark One powers and becomes a normal man again and can live with his family yeah. again. And overcome mm-hmm. his cowardice. Yes. Yeah, I think that's the direction they're going with this. Hmm. Or my speculation, anyway. Trixie sent in this uh, good point, or this uh, feedback about Rumbell, because all the Rumbell fans <laughs> are sad now that Rumpelstiltskin and Bell are separated again. But here's Trixie's voicemail. Hi, Wensers. This is Trixie again from Vancouver. Here's another observation for you concerning the season finale. I know Rumbell fans are disappointed that Rumps and Bell are separated. <laughs> I can't help but think, though, that this is an opportunity for the writers to show off Belle's heroic and adventuresome side that's been latent since the beginning of The Curse. 
After all, she spent most of her time in Storybrooke imprisoned or suffering from amnesia. So unlike other major characters, she hasn't had the chance to demonstrate the full capacity of her character that we witnessed in the Enchanted Forest. So as much as it's disappointing fans the world over, I suspect she will be teaming with Ruby to lead and soothe those left behind. I also think Rumpel's separation from Belle in Neverland will help thicken the plot concerning his intentions of goodwill in general and his intentions toward Henry. Because if Belle were with him, she would draw out his good side and it would mute this internal battle, which has been a foundational part of his character development, and I don't expect the writers would give up his dark tendencies for a few seasons yet. So that's my thought. Love to know what you think. Take care. I'm thinking about... All the times we've seen Belle and Rumpelstiltskin kiss, and it's just kind of confusing because because at some point that started to break his Dark One curse. Right. Why isn't that changing him now? They've already kissed like a handful of times. Well, you know, there's something different about the way he is in our world. In Storybrooke? He has magic, but he's not fully the Dark One. I wonder what he's going to be like on the other side of the portal. <gasps> Do you think it'll be gold again? He or Rumpel? Gold skinned. Or, oh, the oh, color. Oh, literally gold. gold. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know if that would only happen in Enchanted Forest or if the Dark One's powers are from Neverland. He might even be more so. Hope even suggested that the same thing. What our listener hope Gosh, that is? What color will he be in, in Neverland? <laughs> What color will he be if he's a more Purple, gold one? Red. Gold one. Dark one. If he's more, more than dark one. I think that would be cool to see that next episode we see them the ship go through the portal and at the same time it goes through, Mr. Gold changes back into Rubble Stiltskin. That would be awesome. Oh my gosh, that would be I want to see his color amazing. like become intense and I want to see him sparkle or something. Because amazing Emma, are horrible because Belle's not there. True. Emma has never seen the true Rumpelstiltskin. Yeah, true. that's right. Everyone what, what else is she going to do? Whoa, what happened to your skin? <laughs> <laughs> Regina, cream Hook, or... <laughs> David, Mary Margaret, they've all seen Rumpelstiltskin. It's true. Emma has not. Yeah. So that could be awesome. And I, several times before I'd said I'd love to see Rumpelstiltskin in Storybook, but that never happened. No. We've always seen Mr. Gold. It hasn't. But it would be cool to bring him back. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, our listener Celia pointed out something interesting. Uh, she said, "In the name of the brother, in the episode, the na- in the name of the brother, the magical globe was activated by Rumpel's blood. Yet, why weren't there two points on the map to indicate both Bellfire and Henry? And now we know Henry is in Neverland, and yet no indication on the globe of Bellfire being alive in the Enchanted Forest." I'm thinking this is a kind of direction thing. The blood maybe gives him either just the power. Maybe that's it. It's that just the globe requires some blood to be kind of powered. Yeah. Or maybe it is the whole finding his blood relative thing. Oh, It could go either direction because they haven't clarified that. It could. Because he didn't just give them the globe. He went. Yeah. Um, But. Although. He was thinking Where's Henry? So maybe just like you can direct a bean, apparently, Uh, to different places, maybe the globe works the same thing. So it's activated, and he's thinking then Henry, and so the globe shows him where Henry is. It's old spindle technology. (laughs) 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 
So when they realize it's Neverland, Hook is, of course, concerned about that. And Gold also seems a little bit concerned. Do you think a relative, since it involves blood, do you think a relative has to prick their finger on the spindle of the globe to find who they're looking for? That's why I'm saying that we don't really know. It could go either way. Either just simply blood activates it or... It has to be a blood relative yeah. to find someone. We mm. don't know. It it could be both. It could be one or the other. Yeah. There's not enough information to really show us. But something to consider. When they're on the ship and just about to go into the portal, Gold said that Greg mm. and Tamara were merely, and here's this is the exact quote, merely pawns manipulated by forces far greater than they can conceive. They have no idea who they're truly working for. Someone we should all fear. So, so they're making Peter Pan out to be this super villain. Yeah, that even Rumble Stiltskin is kind of nervous to meet. Now, can we assume that he was talking about Peter Pan with specific knowledge or just general knowledge? Maybe he doesn't know who it is, but he knows that this entity exists. Or maybe we're supposed to think he was talking about Peter Pan, but Peter Pan is even working for someone higher. I think Peter Pan is the big bad. Okay. I think he's because... the big good. <laughs> I think he's the big good guy. Because because <laughs> he's connected to fairies and Rolgorum is like the biggest big good. L- let me remind you of something that Rubble Peter Stiltskin. Pan does. Rubble Stiltskin. I know. <laughs> Maybe that's how he tortures bad guys. No. I think he's the big good. You just watch and see. I will be wrong or I'll be right, but I'll I'll be really happy if I'm right. Because well, these are villains talking about Peter Pan. One of of the, course, they're not going to like Peter Pan, and they're not they're going to say awful things about him because Rubble Stiltskin hates fairies, and fairies are awesome. One of the things that I really like that they did with Korra is Korra was a definitely bad character. I want to see them do that with Peter Pan because they're working to redeem Regina and Rumpelstiltskin. I want to see them have a definitely bad character and that be, it really looks like Peter Pan. Oh, and also Hook is kind of getting some sort of redemption. Cora was a definitely bad character, sort of. She had almost the best chance at redemption, but she died in the middle of it. Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah, I I sort of know what you mean. Our listener, Dorothy, wrote in saying, Since Tamara and Greg really don't know who they're working for, their boss could be anyone. Who asks people to lay down their lives for a sacred cause without telling them who he or she is? And since Rumpel mentioned that those two are being manipulated by forces that they don't understand, I still think that their boss would turn out to be someone not even Greg and Tamara would have expected, mainly a magical person. I... I really agree with that. I think they are working for a magical person, even though they're out to destroy magic. Which, to me, means they will at least be somewhat helpful at some point. Because when they are faced with Neverland, and maybe the reality of what they've just done, and who they've taken Henry to... Maybe. Maybe. Unless they're so... Unless they know more than we think we they do, or they are still so committed to this and this person, presumably Peter Pan, convinces them that this is the key to finally cleansing their world of magic. 
they might be willing to do what they've just done, turning Henry over to him. I just hope that humans aren't made out to be the stupid idiots of the show. (laughs) That would be nice if they didn't really go there. (laughs) Because, I mean, as it is, they're... They've been named pawns. Yeah. Well, Greg and Tamara, not just humans, but pawns as in they're working for someone they don't even understand or they don't know. I just hope that humans aren't Uh, really mm -hmm. degraded by this show. Uh, Michelle sent in this email saying, my theory is that Peter Pan and Rumpel have a relationship from before. It seems like anyone that Rumpel regards as a threat is usually someone he's taken under his wing. Cora, Regina, Dr. Whale, when he thought science might be a rival to magic. It seems like there are quite a few similarities between Peter and Rumpel. While Rumpel rips hearts, Peter rips shadows. Oh my goodness, you're milking that one for everything. (laughs) I'm ripping it for all it's worth. And in both circumstances, it's painful. Both are immortal. Both are dark. The Dark One and Peter Pan has his band of evil lost boys and the Shadow. Maybe. I'm not completely convinced who the Shadow works for. Also, both have turned worlds inside out looking for a boy. Rumpel changed the fate of the Enchanted Forest and Storybrook, essentially looking for Bay. And Peter is using the lost boys to look for Henry and possibly collecting boys until he finds who he is looking for, changing the meaning of Neverland so that so the boys can never leave. That's from Michelle. I th- yeah, I think that's a great connection. Well, I, we don't know. I'd love to see, and we will see, I'm sure, in season three, Rumpelstiltskin and Peter Pan meeting each other. Mm-hmm. The crocodile and Peter Pan. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That'd be cool. Mm-hmm. That connection. Do you think Peter Pan will call him a croc- crocodile? Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember that line that Hook said? Um, he said something like "TikTok times up," and then he said "crocodile." It would have been so perfect if he had said "times up croc," but he did it. He said "crocodile," <laughs> "TikTok times up croc." That would have been perfect. Kylie sent in an email saying, "I wonder if Peter Pan was looking for Henry because he knew of the seer's prophecy and is an old enemy of Rumple." Peter could then use Henry to be Rumpel's undoing. One theory about how Peter Pan and Rumpel could know each other is that Rumpel may have gone to Peter to make a deal with him in which he offered to separate Peter from his shadow if he would, ret- if he would in return, look through lands for Bay since he finds Lost Boys. In the end, maybe the deal went sour and they became enemies or power rivals. I think that's a great idea, Kylie. I think... At this point, we're being led to think that Peter Pan is the big bad. But like I said, I don't think it's going to be that you way. You think he's the big good? I think he's the big good, which kind of conflicts with, you know, the the bad vibe that the Lost Boys are giving off right now. It'll be more complicated than we think, of yeah, course. of course. What, what remains to be seen is, will it go the way it feels? Where Neverland becomes the hub of at least the first part, if not the entire season three, that it's this big, interesting, terrible place, sometimes amazing, sometimes terrible night and day differences, literally between night and day. Is it going to be this big mythology 
Or is it going to kind of end up being a plot device to tell a story for a few weeks Mm. and then go away? How will it be handled? That's kind of the question on my mind right now. I would like to see them move. This was my reason for wanting to see them destroy Storybrooke, is to move (laughs) the story away from Storybrooke. I can see from a production perspective why this would also be beneficial, because forest scenes are a lot easier to shoot than city scenes. City scenes, you have to worry about people, you have to close businesses, you have to change signage, you have to block streets, all of this stuff, change props, uh, put you know old style props, whatever, all mm-hmm. of that there. Yeah, but I think if they just focus on one realm, they would lose a little bit of the, the nice dimension that they've had by by working with two different realms at a time. Well, the split side of that is maybe they've spread themselves too thin lately. It's showing so many different realms, so many different characters. Maybe they're focusing it down a little bit. So you think they're just going to focus on one for this next season? I I think two. I think at least two. Present day Enchanted Forest with Neil there and Neverland. I like like the dimension that it gives the show. Mm -hmm. To have more than one realm being Mm -hmm. discussed. Right. And... And I would not necessarily be disappointed if Rumple and Bay don't get back together until the very end of season three. So none of this whole thing of just a repeat of season two of trying to get back to the same world together, but actually not getting together until the end of season three. Mm. And that'd be a much bigger story arc. Maybe there's a lot more that happens along the way, like Bay helps rebuild Enchanted Forest, conquer the ogres, whatever, anything like that. But listeners, we would love to have your feedback, and we are now going on to our summer uh, change. The schedule will change drastically. Instead of doing two podcast episodes every week, we'll be doing probably one every two weeks. Our schedule for that isn't quite set yet, but next week, May 22nd at 9 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, that's GMT minus four, we will be having a once upon a time round table with other podcasters who podcast about once upon a time and we'd love to have you join us for that to watch participate in the chat room send us your questions maybe even come on the panel with us to ask a quick question or give some feedback that will be at 9 p.m eastern daylight time gmt minus four on may 22nd wednesday and that will be on google plus you don't have to be a google plus member to watch but you would be to participate in the chat or join the panel if we're able to open that up. But you can find that information over at oncepodcast.com slash roundtable to respond to that and sign up for Google Plus if you're not already a member. But we've got several other Once Upon a Time podcasters as part of that. We always have fun when we do these, and we're looking forward to this one, this upcoming one because we've got so much to talk about. And... If you want to continue talking about Once Upon a Time, please go to our forums at oncepodcast.com slash forums where you can continue this conversation about stuff we talk about in the podcast or stuff we don't talk about in the podcast. The forums are where you can talk about everything related to Once Upon a Time. It's a great place to go. So many people there talking and sharing so many topics. But just let me uh, warn you, around the middle of June, the forums will be temporarily locked because I'm going to be doing some major revisions to the forums and switching our systems completely. So you should still have your account. All the posts should still be there, everything like that. We're not going to lose that kind of information. I would not make this change if it would mean starting back at zero. So just know that sometime around the middle of June to maybe as early as July, 
and depending on how long it takes, the forms will be uh, locked and maybe not even inaccessible or maybe just locked from posting, but I'll try and make it so you can still read it. So just know that's coming and it's coming for the good good stuff is coming. It's not that pink, bad stuff coming in the clouds. Pink, bad stuff? Something bad is coming. Mm -hmm. No, this is something good (laughs) is coming. Don't worry, Henry. Bad things. Yeah. (laughs) But in the meantime, and even after we activate the new forms, you can check them out at oncepodcast.com slash forms and comment on the stuff that we shared in this episode of Once Podcast by going to oncepodcast.com slash forms. 102 episode 102 and by the way i forgot to mention that portal video which will be in the show notes for this episode the portal video was done for celebration of our 100th episode which by the way was on the recorded on the same day as the birth date of the guy who wrote peter pan Okay. Wow. wow. That's interesting. Yeah. That's obscure. O- only GLaDOS <laughs> would know that. So uh, yeah. go to the show notes, oncepodcast.com slash 102, and you can watch these several videos that we mentioned, the trailer for Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, the Oncer video, and, or the Oncer project video, and also this awesome eight-minute video of GLaDOS portal, a Taylor Swift song mm-hmm. in there with some Once Upon a Time scenes. And I'm going to watch it right after things. here. Right after this. <laughs> Right after here. (laughs) And as usual, because we will be podcasting through the summer uh, a little bit, but a lot less, we'll have some interviews and some awesome stuff going on. But you can send us your feedback to email, written or recorded feedback to the email address, feedback at oncepodcast.com or call and leave a voicemail at 903-231-2221. Or you can also go to oncepodcast.com on your computer or iOS device and record a message right from your uh, right from the website and send it to us. And we'd love to have you part of the community. You can join us on Twitter by following twitter.com slash once podcast. And you can follow each of us on Twitter as well. I'm Daniel J. Lewis, and you can follow me on twitter.com slash the ramen noodle. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. You can follow me on Twitter at Fleegon. That's P H L E G O N. And I'm Jenny, and you follow me at twitter.com slash Jenny Snook. Please pre-order season two by going to oncepodcast.com slash season two. And while you're there, that's our Amazon affiliate link. Purchase lots of stuff, and that way you'll be able to help support the podcast with your purchase. And also, please go to oncepodcast.com slash iTunes and leave a nice rating and especially a written review for us, just like Butterfly Seeker, Quasi Joe from Canada, Lily's Mom 64, Huck 49, and Kelzer 7 left kind reviews for us in iTunes, and we really appreciate that. So mark those reviews as helpful. They're the most recent reviews at oncepodcast.com slash iTunes. Special thanks to our team who helps make this podcast possible. Slurpees 108 for feedback organization. Aaron J, Winnie, and Corbin for show notes. Hunter Hathaway for our spoilers. Rumpel's Girl and Matthew Paul for forum moderation. Alias Skate for chatroom moderation. Jacob for screenshot support. Melissa Cavallo for guest post writing mm-hmm. on our blog. And to my co-host, Jeremy and Jenny for co-hosting with me. And... You guys are listeners for enduring this really long episode, <laughs> but it was so much better than recording on a Thank Friday you. night last time. <laughs> Thank you, everybody you just said. Yes. Ex- except for us, because I well, can't I think thank you, myself. Jenny. Thank you, Jeremy. And I thank you, Daniel. Thank you, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everybody. So for Jeremy Laughlin and my beautiful wife, Jenny, I'm Daniel J. Lewis. 
And remember, until next time, pray the mermaids will have pity on your soul. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening. Once Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Big thanks to our sponsors for this episode of Once Podcast. If you'd like to donate to support an episode of Once Podcast or several episodes, please go to oncepodcast.com slash sponsor for one-time or regular automatic monthly donations. That's oncepodcast.com slash sponsor.